Welcome to Big Conversations by Ordinary People. Thanks, Mark. It's been long overdue. We have thought about this. No. Lots of conversations back and forth. Yeah, about it. But finally, it's good that we're having it. I'm sorry it took me too long to get I here. I appreciate the fact that yesterday you came through at the party branch. I had to. That was amazing. Um, yeah. First, introduce yourself to me. Like, the people that will listen to our conversation, you'd want them to know the person that has come onto the podcast. You'd want them to know who that is. Yeah. yeah. Who's, who Joel is. Well, um, I, I think you are introducing me with such a big um, aura. You make, it, you make me feel very important. But um, just some ordinary guy. And, you know, I go by Joel, P and Zika, and I'm Ugandan, although I don't live here anymore. Uh, I live in the States, but um, I have family here. Yeah. Um, I, I started here, I went to school here. Um, I do business here mm. and other places too. Um, just a normal guy, just trying to navigate through life. When did you leave UG? So I first left UG <coughs> in 2016. Yeah. That's the first time I left UG. Um, but I was on a visitor's visa. So I toured around back and forth. Um, you know, Mark, I've been very lucky all my life. Eh? Yeah. Um, I've had opportunities, you know, come to me that so many people have not had. Um, I've had opportunities to travel. Mm. I've had opportunities to be educated in this country. So many people don't, don't. have that chance to be. So I've had, I've had opportunities. And then I've had a, you know, a good family. Mm -hmm. Grew up with a father and a mother that um, loved, loved me so much and pointed me in a good direction in life, I believe. And mm. I've had wonderful friends, wonderful teachers. So point is that I traveled when I was very young, an opportunity that many people don't you know, usually get unless someone is pulling your strings True. in the background. Yeah. I can't say anyone was pulling my strings. I've just had opportunities come you know, my way. Mm -hmm. So I, my first trip to the US was in 2016. So, back then, I'd founded a non-profit organization. I think we call them non-government organizations yeah. over here. And I was moving through the U.S. trying to raise funding, money, you know, build partnerships with like-minded people. Yeah. So, that's, that's, the, that's the thing that opened. That was the, my first foot, you know, through the door. So, I was looking for money. To support my ideas and um, so that's how I first left the country spent yeah. a couple months yeah. went back and forth and then um, until uh, until 2018 the thought of me permanently moving to the US um, I was still wrestling with it yeah. you know it's the US there's always that you know you want to go you want to live there but to find a balance between the things I was, you know, wanted to do back home, accomplish back home and in family and friends and 
going into a country that is completely a different world from you know what you are used to it was not an easy decision to make my chance it was very very uh, alluring very you know, very appealing i eventually decided though when i met my now wife you know, then then we, we just met we were friends uh, when i met my wife now she became my good friend and she now you know now i had a solid reason to, you know, to, to want to go and live in the u.s mm. but even then at first I, I thought we could just have life here in UG and just live here I'll have kids and then you know try to build a life here and other things that i was trying to accomplish but then it always became evidently clear that i might have to leave the country you know for me to be able to go cut out a life for myself yeah. for her you know my kids eventually so that's how i left the U that's how i moved to the u.s so you know went through the process immigration it involved a lot of traveling back and forth a lot of interviews you know mm -hmm. you know how it is um so la in 20 i would have gone in 2020 mm -hmm. and then covid happened i chose to stay here through covid and i was there for a few months and then i decided to to move i think I was in like May, June, I decided to move to the U.S. in 2020. And I reached there and then the COVID madness was too much. I said, you know what, let me go back to Uganda. So I came back here and I went back and forth in COVID, both 2020 and 2021. I went back and forth because I, every COVID got to my head. I was just running nuts, you know, without things were being handled. So then in 2021, eventually, when things started to kind of come back to normal back in the US, I said, you know, maybe I should just you know, go sit down. And so I went, got married. I see the ring. <laughs> Thanks, man. Got married and I, I decided to just hang in there for some time. And then it's been almost two years now. Yeah. What um, were these ideas, though, that you are looking for funding for? Do you mind sharing those? Yes. Yeah. Um, so being the person i am yeah i come from a very humble background mm. um my dad is a reverend he's now retired and they don't live larger lives you know those guys if you know they don't make any money hardly make any money mm. and he was a reverend in the rural communities of eastern uganda yeah. that's like the poorest region um the church is supposed to support them but if the people can't support themselves then how do you think they you know they support the leader so we grew up a very humble best life mm. um but my father even with all the little things or little resources that he had he always went an extra mile you know to plant stuff you know he was a farmer you know do things and then trade them for our education so i can say that he sacrificed everything to make sure it gives us good education. Mm. Lucky for me too, I I was an, an academic giant. I was very tiny and whatever, mm. but the brains were always there. I excelled mm. at all levels in school. Yeah. And that also helped because I could pick up scholarships along the way. Mm. Now, when I made it to university, I looked back at my life and I realized 
if my father did not gift me with education, I don't know what my life would have been at that point. Because I looked back all the years, all the kids I started school with, most of them didn't actually make it out of primary. Yeah. In the, I started in the deep villages of Budondo, somewhere there in Jinja, very far. And most of the kids they didn't make it out of there, you get. Mm. They, they didn't have the means. All their parents could not go an extra mile to sacrifice everything to give them a platform. Yeah. And mine did. And every time I went back to the village in holidays, man, I would run into my obese, obese, they were all pregnant. You know, some of them were in, in prison now, you know, because of crime and drugs. And mm. so many things happen. A village where I come from is Bujagali. It's the most elite village in Jinja, you know. Mm. We have you know, lots of external cultures. And school is hardly a, a thing there. Mm. You're you know? fishing the whole time. Exactly. Fishing, <laughs> swimming, yeah, what? Yeah, you know, yeah. that's, that's the life there. And it, it used to make money when the waterfalls were still there. But then they put a, a, a power plant down there and everything collapsed. Mm. And then people... Their, all their livelihoods were just destroyed. Now, most of the kids I went to school with really didn't come out of there. Now, when I went to college, it dawned on me. And I was like, well, look at me. I'm not any different from some of these kids. Because, man, these are my kids. We play together. We grew up together. Yeah. Some of them were even actually really smart. But I looked at them and where they were. And for me, when I made it to college, my life changed so fast because I got opportunities. I remember, you know, meeting some of the people that I used to admire, you know, from a distance. I was so close to them. And I was in the Christian fraternity when I was at university. So that put me in close proximity with the state pastors, you get. I, that's how I got to meet the likes of Wilson Bugembe. I got to meet, you know, Pastor Isaac Senyonjo, Judith Vabidie. Yeah. These are people who gave me a platform. Judith and Isaac. Platform, step so I, I started, yeah. I, I, was, I was always a bit tech savvy, you know, yeah, yeah. With a, you know, on local standards. So I knew how to use Facebook. I yeah. knew how to use social media. And Judith and Isaac gave me a chance. So I started doing social media you know, for Judith, you know, working on a few things. And I kept to share these ideas. And they shared some of my ideas, you know. And, and when I started, when I came close to these people, I started sharing the things I had in my mind. And they always encouraged me. You know, they said, well, this is how you go about things. This is how you build a foundation. This is how you attract, you know, donors. This is how you share your idea. So being in close proximity with these guys yeah. gave me huge, huge, huge platform to, um, to broaden my way of thinking and also to dig deep within me to see what exactly did I want to do with my life after college. Literally, I was the most emotionally absent college kid of my time. Because uh, when I was at the university, my, you, know, you know, in those ages, you know, first year, second year, those are like formative stages for Ugandan kid. Eh? Yeah. You're trying to figure out life. You know, you're looking at what a lecturer is teaching you, but you're trying to think exactly. I intellectually, you're trying to rationalize life, mm. and you're trying to find your space in society, mm. right? You're thinking, okay, how, where, where will I end? Am I going to go and just apply for a job? Yeah. Am I going to, what am I going to become after college? For me, I was so obsessed with how life is going to look like after college. Now, I find myself in the presence of the likes of Ugembe, Isaac, Judith Babidi, 
And then I hear these stories of, you know, you, you become what your friends are. At that point, I started considering myself their friend. But I don't think I was their friend at that moment. But there were people that were willing to teach me, you know, share with me, advise me, give me recommendations here and there. Because at that point, you need someone to put in a good word for you, you know, to kind of push you through the door. And some of these people I was talking to, you, they needed someone credible, someone they could trust. And I had these people. Now, not so many people have those That's kind of true. people are available to them to give them that kind of credibility. They need me, I had it. I hear you. That's why I told you that I've had opportunities that many other people have not yeah. had. Yeah. So my idea when I was at college was, you know, what am I going to do with my life after here? I realized the job world was not for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very strong-willed and I, I like, I like self-determination. Yeah. I'm not the type of person that likes to... I don't like to be told what to do. That's the first thing. The other thing, I don't like someone to be in control mm -hmm. of what I get to do or what I do with my life. Because I personally believe that that is a diminished way of life. Can you avoid it though? Uh, well, yes, you can. But you must find that spark so early <laughs> on in life. So, you see, I know how challenging it is. Huh? Growing yeah. up as a young man in a country, where the only path is go to school, graduate, start to hunt for a job. If you get one, you are lucky, you know, you know, start working. That seems to be the, the path mm. in, in, all, in, in, in the developing world. But when you get that spark of who you could be early on in life and you start asking yourself these questions, you know, what do I want to do with my life? For me, I told you, Mark, when I was at college, I was obsessed with who do I want to become? N not what am I studying in class. Yeah. You know, I, I was obsessed with who, who do I want to become? Who could I be? And what do I have to do to become that person? And at that point, I was not even thinking about, uh, I want to become rich, or I want to be, become a businessman. Literally, I was obsessed with what do I want to do with my life? And it, it was mostly through the Christian lens, mm. you know, because I was in a Christian fraternity. I was with Christian people around me. So always my, my thing was, what do I want to do with my life? Then I met a guy. It's called Amanya Ronald. Mm. He's now a pastor here in town. Yeah, he passed as a church in, in, in Chikoni. It's for like, you know, Makerere students. They got that church. And one day we were in Imbarara. Yeah. We were on a mission ground preaching the gospel. You know that college. You're a pastor as well. Yeah, he was not a pastor then. I'm saying you. No, I wasn't even a pastor, but I was in a Christian fraternity. Yeah, yeah. So in the Christian fraternity of the university, we'd organize like mission trips. Yeah. And then we'd go spend a week in the villages sharing the gospel. I didn't really enjoy it. But I just wanted to throw myself out there and see what do I want to be. What? And, then, and then with this background of my father being a reverend, you know, so that Christian thing has always been there, you know. At some point I thought maybe it, maybe it will catch up with me, you know. Maybe I'll walk in my father's footsteps. But I didn't, I didn't like the quality of life yeah. <laughs> that it together. So anyway, Ronald, one day, like at midnight, he sits me down and asks me, so Joe, have you ever asked yourself who you are? Why, why do you exist? And what do you want to accomplish? I could not find answers for those questions, Mark. Mm. Those questions, I, I obsessed over those questions all the time I was through college. And that is the genesis of all these ideas that I started coming up with. Yeah. You know, I realized, well, the best way for me, I may not be a pastor, because I, I, I didn't see myself pastoring a church. Yeah. I also didn't see myself finishing school and applying for a job. So I said, you know, 
maybe I could just, you know, maybe I'm good, I'm good with talking with people. I'm, I, I, I try to be good with communication. Yeah. I thought maybe I could, you know, talk to young people, try to inspire them. Then I asked myself, which kind of young people? And I said, okay, young people like me, yeah. those who have my kind of story, those who come from very, very small backgrounds, very, very small connections as uh, as they may say maybe those are the kind of young people i want to talk to then the question was what message do i take to these young people i also looked around kampala i saw so many educated people in kampala walking through the corridors of kampala they can't find jobs yeah some of them were settling for border borders some of them them. exactly so it's like well what makes me different from these people and it's like okay maybe instead of staying you know maybe instead of being trapped within the comfort of kampala maybe when i graduate i should just move back to my village and just maybe you know do community projects with young people maybe talk to them about work maybe i'll talk to them about the bible i didn't even exactly want to talk to these young people because as i was as i was developing these ideas i was also growing within the process so eventually i get done with school I moved back to Jinja, Bujagali. That's around 2016. 20, in 2016, 2016 was my last year in, in school, but I did not graduate until you know 2017. So I go back to Jinja in 2016, Bujagali, a village where almost everyone is high on weed. So and I'm there trying to figure out how do I empower young people? How do we do things together? How do you so, stop us from smoking weed? How, how say, say the question again? How do you stop us young people from smoking weed? What's yeah, so, so you know, you know, we, we know when you're going to the community and you yeah. have this, I won't call it excitement or ignorance. Yeah. You know, sometimes you don't know why people are doing the things they're doing. You think oh, they're just being bad mannered kids. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I tell them a good story, this will change, you know, their life. But I spent a year in Ginger, and I interacted with the reality of life. Mark, I realized that you cannot change people. You cannot transform people unless you relate to what people are going through. Mm. You can have very brilliant ideas. You can, have, you can actually, these people, the people we say we want to change and encourage and whatever, transform their lives, sometimes they even know what to do yeah. to turn their lives around. But they just can't do it. And, and, and it's not because they're just impaired that they... Or oh, oh, they, they have chosen misery. It's just not their time yet. It's not, even, it's not about even time. It's not about their time because then you'd cup the whole life thing around instructions. Mm-hmm. And if I do this, if I do this, these are the results, right? With life. But sometimes it's not like that. Yeah. Like yeah. Some guys go to school, get degrees and still are on the streets, right? Exactly, a majority of them. Yeah. But for these kids, these were deeper. There were deeper issues there. You get, you know, from society, the fabric of society, mm. the economic, you know, issues in there involved. But also the lack of inspiration. There was no edu- There's hardly educated people in that community. You know, in spite of all the aid and you know NGOs that were trying to operate there, mm. there was no role model in those communities that would give these kids a reason to, to want to transcend themselves. You get? Yeah. So when, when I went down there, I realized that, you know, it's not that there's no one willing to pay school fees for these kids. Actually, I, I, that's when I found out that many people have tried to put most of these kids through school. Yeah. But they, they, it, it was not making sense to these kids. 
So now I go back there with all these my ideas. I want to build a school. I want to rehabilitate these kids. You know, all these things. Every six months, my ideas kept changing and evolving. The more I react, the more I interacted with, you know, with the community yeah. to get to understand exactly what, how people are living, how they see life, what things they are kind of, you know, um, battling with. My perspective kept changing. But it, it is still upon that idea, that drive to want to do something good in the, in, in, in the world, wanting to be, wanting to dream and go after things that were bigger than me that made me go back to Jinja. And with friends that I had back here in Kampala, you know, with the likes of Judith Babidye, the likes of Isaac Senyonjo, with the likes of Pastor Wilson, Rita Nkemba, Dwelling Places, yeah. you know, these are no, people. Really you know Rita Nkemba? Yeah. yeah, these are people. If you know Rita, then you know this. She's a she dreamer. Touched, yeah. You know, you, when you sit down with Rita... Like work, I'm really inspired by her. Exactly. So, yeah. Rita and so many other people like that I have in my life yeah. that pointed me in a direction that always challenged me to, to, to want to live to, in service of ideas that were bigger than me. Not just, not just settle, get a job and that's all. Not just you know, settle, buy a car and that's all. They always challenged me when you, you listen to their stories, the things that they've been able to accomplish. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that became my identity. I wanted to accomplish more. Now, it came to the most important question. How? Okay. You need... You know, you can have all these beautiful ideas, but you need money. Execution. There's nothing as hard as finding your first donation. That's true. In, 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 in the NGO world. Those who have done NGO work, they will tell you, the hardest bit is... The funding. Yeah, convincing someone to believe yeah, in your right. idea that they will write you a check is the, one of the hardest things. So, I started building relationships with different people over here, overseas, through social media. You know, I started building relationships with people. They're and just DMing guys. I'm not even DMing them. Yeah. So, I looked for people who had things in common with me. In this case, I looked for people who were like, you know, churches, you know, Christian, you know, churches and things like that. And I would join Facebook groups, mm. you know, some of those churches and I would follow the conversation. But also, I was going through a crisis in terms of doctrine. Yeah. Personally, I didn't exactly what to believe. I, I didn't even know. So I know I always knew I say, you know, I'm Christian. Yeah? Mm. I was comfortable to say I'm a Christian because of uh, my upbringing. I was comfortable to say um, I, I, I believed in God, blah, blah, blah. I didn't even know what exactly I meant by those things. But I decided to go after Christian groups and Christian people because at least we had something in common, yeah. you know, collective faith. So that's how I started meeting people. You know, carries you know those groups of you know Christians, so that's how we started interacting, and eventually, uh, I started inviting people here. You know, I knew that the best strategy for me yeah. was to invite people, so they could come down to Africa, um, because you know some of these you know you know some of these people, these cultures are very generous. Yeah. When they see a problem, they, the first question they ask is, how can we be of help? Now, that's a good question for someone who is looking for funding. Yeah. But if you want to create a change, when I was in Bujagali, I realized that I needed more than just money to be able to impact these younger people. Mm. I needed role models. I needed figures that I could model or try to cut out life for these kids and pointing them to a certain direction. And I knew I was not the man for the job. I knew really at that point, all I had was, you know, just mm -hmm. too much English and the transcript.
Yeah. So, what happens? I start inviting people to come, and many many turn down the invitation. Mm. And a few months in, a friend of mine, you know, Michelle, she had adopted she had adopted kids from Uganda many years ago, so she had the connection with Uganda already, yeah. and she was planning a trip to come to Africa, you know. And then her friend also was also planning a trip to come to Africa. So she says, well, I have a few friends of mine that are coming to Africa. Would you want them to come and, you know, kind of interact with the kids and see what you're doing over there? We've been, you know, we've been hearing what you're doing because I started talking about, you know, what's happening on the ground, how life is, you know, for these kids. I would share these things online. You know, I, I'm good at writing, so I would write. And then like, well, do you mind if we, you know, come and check out what's going on? We're not promising anything. We just want to come and see. I said, well, you're most welcome. So I had people like that start to fly in just to see what we are doing, interact with the community. And, you know, a few months in, they saw what we were doing and they, they listened to my ideas and I loved them. And I said, well, maybe we should invite you to the U.S. so you could come and speak to people on a bigger audience. Okay. So Michelle and Tori went ahead, my friends, they planned a big trip for me through the U.S. They, I went through so many states in the U.S. speaking about what, you know, what was happening in, in Ginger and what I thought we could do uh, to kind of you know, change the status quo. So that was my entry into the U.S., you know, raising you know, partners and sharing these ideas and also learning, you know. When I left Uganda, I thought I had better ideas on how to develop a country and all this. And then you go into this very civilized community and rich culture, and then you realize, okay, yeah. so now what is here that I can learn here? And, and then, you know, take back home. So that's how we get into the U.S. I was trying to make you help me in the cultures, right? Since mm -hmm. you have lived here, you, know, you can just give me perspective on culture. Okay, you see, it's a yeah, what have you seen? Tell me a story. Culture is such a wide construct, or you know, concept yeah. in in different sort. In the West, it's just it's just the polar opposite. It's you know, it's completely different. So, culture in the West was built on Judeo-Christian principles. At least, if you're looking at um, the traditional Western culture, you know it was propagated or built on Judeo, you know, Christian principles of you know, you know conservatism and church, family, uh, it, it, it's family, country, God, family, country. Yeah. You get, and um, those are like the three things upon which culture um, in the West, you know, was built on. Of course, you know, so, so many other things, you know, interject in there. But if you're trying to look from outside in, mm. you know, it, it's, it, that's what you, you interact with. All, all the new things that we see coming up, all the new ideas, everything that we see today. What Are you, they actually new? I, my dad once told me, sorry for cutting you short. My yeah. dad once told me, the more things change, the more they're the same from like the previous times. Yes. Yes, so ideas, you know, ideas have like a, a cycle. There's a cycle of ideas. So, so, so some of these ideas are not really new. They keep being recycled. But for the most part, or, you know, in the, in the most, let's say talk about the Enlightenment and 
if, if you go back, you know, 200 years or 300 years when America was being, you know, established, yeah. it was establishing itself as a country. Mm. Or if you just look at, uh, if you just read the Constitution or the Bill of Rights, you know, you, the, the, the language, um, the ideas in there, mm. you know, you, you can see that they were trying to propagate a Judeo-Christian, you know, society, you know, no culture. So yeah. if you if, if, if so in, in America where I live now, that is where they are coming from. Not that not that they were very religious in the past, mm -hmm. but because along the way, these Englishmen who moved from UK whatever running from whatever they were running from to go and start a new life in a different part of the world, they tried to organize themselves in line with these ancient biblical you know principles and things that they learned you know, over, over the years, some of the, you know, you know it's biblical teachings have been in existence for, you know, thousands of years. Yeah. So, that is the West. Now, over for us here, I do not think we still have an identity. Because it looks like for us here, most of our culture over here, we've been trying to, we've been trying to get rid of everything that makes us Africans. You know, it's like, it's hard. You feel like when you say everything, can you like give me an example? Well, um, when you when, when you look at African like social norms, yeah, it's social norms. When you yeah. look at African culture, how we used to establish family here, you know, you know, roles and things like that. Yeah. Things are changing, and if you see what we are doing today, is we we Western culture is has overwhelmed yeah, our okay. African culture and. And, and, and this had to happen for us to be colonized. Yeah. You know, they, 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 when these guys came here hundreds and hundreds of years ago, they tried so much to undermine everything that made us who we are because that was the only way we could be subdued into very humble, obedient colonies yeah. that they could then turn around and exploit. Yeah. So see, I am a, I'm a product of people who grew up in this colonial system of life you know literally when you look at africa the only thing that makes africa africa is poverty but all the things that we call good all the things that we try to gravitate towards too all those things they, they seem to me like you know western ideas you know i mean if, it, if it's marriage education you get mm. you know the way we do business the way we dress everything literally everything so, apart from a few small cult societies that have tried to preserve their culture, most of it has been eroded. So, for us in, in Uganda, for example, it, it's hard to, if they say describe for me a Ugandan, it's hard to describe a Ugandan without sounding like you're describing a barbaric white man. You get it's When you're describing a Ugandan, most times they just sound like a primitive white man. It's hard to. It's hard to draw the the line. Yeah. But there's things in the West <coughs> that do not exist here, and there are things here that do not exist in the West. Say life in the but West. Much of how we live is really, really influenced by the West, right? Yes. Like much how we live here. When you look yes. at the music I listen to. Yes. Uh, I don't know about other people, but I would like to think. The people that have gone to school with me in the schools i've gone to 
are not so different from me, right? Yes. They listen to the same music I listen to because this is what we're vibing for. They 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 love artists. We we are on the same social media, so our algorithms treat us the same. So you can really tell a big chunk of how and what we look at as ideal is influenced by the Western culture. Yes. Yeah. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Oh. Do you think that's the whole sense of civilization? You know, like we're supposed to like really because is it actually cool stuff? I think some of it is, some of it is not. Like I was going to say before I, you know before I circle back to yeah. to that point. Western culture was built around the idea of the individual. You get? How do you mean? So, in the US, mm. life was designed in a way that the individual can raise and become the best version of, of, who, of themselves, of who they could be. Yeah. And all the challenges and the way of life there it's not as communal as we do things here you get in the west many times you are on your own family is there to support you but at a, up to a certain point, point yeah. and then you are, you must stand on your own so the culture was built for individuals it's a capitalistic culture hmm. it's individuals it's you have to raise you have to fight it's it is the real human embodiment of, of Darwinist principles of evolution. Yeah, yeah. You get? So, that is not who we are here. Over here, life was more communal. We, like, you know, culture here is more you know, communal. People are so much in each other's business. Now, even in the West, people can be in each other's business, but in different ways. You get? Yeah. Over here, we are in each other's business because one way or the other, we are interdependent. We depend on each other. You know, you find that when, you know, a, a certain job goes to university, gets a job, now he has to take care of the entire family. Mm -hmm. You have to take care of your parents, whatever. The West is not like that. Mm. The West, it's obscene for parents to depend on their children. You get? In the West, you have children. When you grow old, they will put you in a nursing home because children also have to continue with their life with their husbands and their own children. Yeah. There are still those families who take care of their pe people, but the way it has this, the way it was built is, is you. So you grow up, you try to become the best you can be in the West, gather whatever you can gather, because it's capitalism. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, you go there, it's a fist fight, you go there, gather what you can gather, go through life, eventually you'll die. Mm. Lucky for you if you've left the children, but they'll also continue living their own particular lives. Now, over here, it's different. Over here, it's more, you know, family, society, you know, everyone knows you, everyone knows the other, your, you know, uncles, whatever. It's, it's too much here. We are more of a, a collective here, and I feel like that has to do with where we come from. Now, I am not a really good student of African history. Sure. So I don't want to claim that I have all the knowledge about mm. who, who we were or how we were organized back in the day. But I still feel like that invisible bond that connects us to one another in one way or the other yeah. must be something that has originated, you know, millions of years, you know, from our ancestors, 
you know, trying to survive up in the cold, in the forest, and trying to, you know, fight for one another, you know. So, there's a huge difference in culture. Now, the, when you talk about politics, I think many people think that the West is one of the most enlightened society yeah. where people are more knowledgeable. I find that not to be true. Actually, I find so many ignorant people in the West. You know, I live in the US. I live with these guys. Yeah. And the way politics is done in the West, it, it's more of um, everyone is a victim, everyone is your enemy, and you are a victim. You get? It's more of a propaganda thing. It's like, yeah, on the outside, it looks like some organized you know, society where people understand ideas, you see people debating ideas and all that. But the culture wars in the West, the way they are, common sense has, has been pulled out of this, mm. of the conversation. And it's just people who are opionated and so high on different ideologies trying to have their narrative overwhelm the other side. You get yeah. whether that is liberal, whether that is conservative, whether that's traditional or new age, whether that is whatever you want to look at it, whether it's Christianity and atheism, whether there's always two sides in Western culture, and people fall in the line of either. either, side, either you one. get, yeah. it, and and there's beauty there, there's beauty in the collective, but there's also a lot of ignorance in the collective. So just following a train, right? Exactly. You get. You know. You know. You don't get the opportunity to like think exactly yourself. so you know you know society is all close together exactly you know society and culture is the defined is the defined area uh -uh. now people who live within the confines of society and culture rarely learn any new things mm. the people who create new things come up with these ideas are people who live or who try to to make a journey into the places that are beyond you know the confines of culture or tradition or religion now, the West, the way it is set up, they try to trap you within the confines of culture and society. It's like someone wakes up and tries to define for you what they think is ideal or what they think is right. And they want you to live into that bubble. You get. Whether it is the conservatives, whether it is the, you know, the liberals or yeah. the, you know, the, the, the extreme, you know, left. Now, the problem with that is, you have two people, we have two groups of people that live in the country, but see the country differently. You get. And they see, this side sees the other as the enemy. And it's not true. Actually, right now in the US, there's a group of Americans who would rather live with Russians than live with the people on the opposing side. There's also a group in America who would rather live with uh, Chinese than live with fellow Americans. Then there's a group that votes for Donald Trump. Which group is that? Well, that, of course, Donald Trump came in on the conservative yeah. ticket. You get. But people like Donald Trump are very rare in American politics. But right now, is, is it, if a man like Donald Trump can rise and become the president of the United States, that tells you how degenerated the politics has become. That right now, it's not one who has better ideas, but it's one who can make the most noise. 
that can become president whoever controls the microphone whoever controls media media and what going into people's minds yeah. is who becomes president and now it's going to be increasingly hard because there's all this artificial intelligence so you can walk around controlling media on all you want you can treat like a million bots and just throw I know I know it's getting out of hand and yeah. I I think that I I worry for the west because people there people in the west not not all of them but now a good section of people in the west are not capable of having a complex conversation they would rather see life through the perspectives of what their pastor is telling them or what their pastor told them at church but they would, they would rather stay away from complex thought or you know complex conversation yeah but don't, don't we suffer that a lot here as well because we have a lot of people basking into here the problem could be religion and faith and mm -hmm. pastoring and how do you want to call it religion really yeah mm -hmm. the whole concept of christianity no bash to the christians i've hopefully right they should praise their god mm -hmm. whatever they feel like i just feel like a lot of people need so much self care around them to look when you look at what happens in the churches then you see the millions of people that go to these churches you start to put the question marks yeah and that's the same thing you're trying to explain with mm -hmm. just ban like you feel like really you you want life to be this easy where you just go to a guy and they pray your diseases away yeah yeah those are is i share the same frustration you see mark there's 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 a certain level of suffering and pain that is built within the substructure of life yeah so life is difficult it is and i understand that life is actually really hard you know many people yeah. end up in this religion in trying to make sense of life trying to find comfort trying to find meaning to life right the problem though is that i don't think religion is the answer because for me i just personally feel like people who fully define their life through the templates of religion mm. are people who have completely divorced themselves from thinking now i'm not trying to say religion doesn't encourage people to think but most of the time Religion tells you, gives you a, li a list of dictates. You know, you should live by this, you should abide by this, you should abide by that. Mm. And then a lot of re repercussions. If you don't do this, this will happen. If you don't do this, this will happen. You, you, you get. Now, not that that is bad. I understand that even religious people are trying to alleviate the pain that is built within the substructure of life. But this idea of stated belief where people just wake up and climb they believe things and then i feel like that idea gives people an out when it comes to responsibility because when you say you believe something what do you mean by that so for me this is my biggest problem with christianity or even islam or any other religions mm. it's like well you say you believe in god okay do you behave like he exists or do you conduct yourself like he's alive or you conduct yourself like what? Can you Be believe in something you've not seen? Say, say that again? Can you believe in something you have not seen? Something best? You see, when you... Here are my reservations. When you... There's so much new information, right? That I appreciate the value of the Bible. I do? Yeah. 
I read the Bible. Like it, it keeps people aligned in some sense. There's some laws around it, right? Some of them could be really flawed, but then I appreciate that sense of direction. But in a world where there's so much new information you can work with, then I start to use that information to see how much it could just keep me in denial of the actual reality of things. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So, because to me, then the Bible has not answered some questions. Exactly. Well, before you compound the question, I'd like to come in on that. Mm-hmm. You see, religion in Africa has not done a good job to explain itself. What do you mean religion in Africa? Uh, no, I mean, I feel like Christianity or Islam, I feel like these things are taught to people in the fundamental way. It's like, take this, believe it, it's this, it's black and white, right? There's a God up in heaven, he created you, he doesn't want you to masturbate, he doesn't want you to have sex, he doesn't want you to do this, if you do this, you're going to end up in hell. You know, this God is so good, he loves you, he's going to heal your diseases, just believe it, but also give him money. It's in Africa, the God, the, the, the Christian God that I see, is always not having enough money, yeah. but he's capable of all these great things that he promises his people. That is how God has been taught, all, the, all religion has been taught in Africa. But also with the way people here are, I don't think people here really think beyond what they are being taught. So people exist in the religious state of belief. Now, the point I was making earlier is, when you say you believe, <coughs> Yeah. You must be able to back that up. What do you mean you believe? You get. Now, do you believe this literally? Because those written biblical stories, you don't just reduce them to nothing. Those stories are something, right? If you read those stories really well, really, really well, and you read them really well, and you orient your life in line with these ideas, chances are you may not live 100% of who you could have been or whatever, but you may at least find yourself at a 70% better than someone who never had an idea. Let's, let's go back a little bit. Mark, the idea that you can even have me and we have this conversation, the respect for, you know, for one another, for civilization to get to that level, all these are products of these biblical stories. Attaching life to human life, attaching value to human life, all these are ancient ideas. We didn't start out like this. Our ancestors killed each other in the bushes and in the forest when we were evolving. Actually, the history is a very dark, dark story. Everywhere, world over. You get? But for us to be able to get to where we are, you cannot downplay the role that those stories have done what? Have played. played. Yeah. The problem though, how do we teach them? Do we teach them as literal truths? Mm. Or do we teach them as metaphorical truths? Personally, I read the Bible as a story of metaphorical stories that are trying to represent ideas that have been tried in the past and some of them have worked and some people have deviated from them for their own period. So when you read the Bible, in the Bible, the Old Testament, those guys had slaves and slavery and all that. That stuff is in the Bible. Now, do you then turn around and say the God of the Old Testament was okay with slavery and the one of the New Testament was not okay with, with slavery? But maybe these stories were written at a time when slavery as an idea was not, was not an immoral thing. And then people evolved to a certain point, you know, where they said, hey, but wait a minute, we can't keep doing this. 
Because slavery didn't even just start by white men coming to Africa and taking black people to use them as slaves. Yeah. White men first enslaved themselves. You get if you read history, you know, from the Vikings, you read, you know, you, you read in ancient Asia, you know, Persia, Egypt. These guys are slaves. The person slaves themselves. And then they learned, well, there's a group of barbaric people somewhere in some big island. Yeah. Well, instead of enslaving ourselves, maybe we could go and get these guys to come and do it for us. And now they end up here. So, the point I was making, when we go back to the region, thing is, do we have the guts to tell people that these stories are a representation of ideals? The, my biggest departure from religion mm -hmm. is when it wants to paint the ideal as the reality. Reality is different from the ideal. Ideal is the direction we are trying to work towards. Yeah. Reality is the catastrophe, the chaos that we have to navigate to get to the, you know, to the perfect ideal. Who is Jesus? Is Jesus really a guy who died on the cross? Yeah. That he saved my sins? Or Jesus is a representation of the highest ideal of who a perfect individual yeah. is supposed to be. That if I orient myself in the path that this man took, a path that involved loving, a path that involved sacrificing himself for ideas he believed in, sacrificing himself for people, yeah. a man, is, right? if I orient myself in that direction, I have a better chance of being a better individual. Because the main essence of religion, I would think that was to help to, to be to a make, better human. Exactly, to make people better individuals. Yeah, because I think that's a whole concept again around Islam, right? Yes, the there's something for, for, for Islam, yes. Rest in peace. Yes. To him, yeah. So, like, but here's the thing, when you teach people that there's a white man up in heaven or a God with a big beard, you know, he has another place called hell, yeah. but, and he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you, but in the case you don't love his son, he also created some hell where you're going to end up, die and burn and get destroyed. Yeah. See, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, totally. So, that could have made sense to our grandparents who didn't have the ability to think, how does someone who loves me so much that he will die for me? Be there some person that creates a hell just in the case I don't believe him. Mm. Now, when you ask questions to some of these uh, law resolution believers, they will say, oh, you're trying to question the authority of God. You know, it's religion also, without dogma, religion doesn't thrive. And the inability of religious people to explain what exactly they mean yeah. makes them hide behind dogma. Because when you use dogma, when you use fear, you can easily, you know, you can motivate people to follow you in a bandwagon. But also you need to know that fear is an unreliable schoolmaster. You get, the more people become educated and enlightened, the more they become curious, the more they want to try and understand. So for me, let me just submit down for me, and I'm not, I'm not speaking with, the, I don't have a theology degree or anything, but for me, God in my simplest form is a set of judgmental ideals that if you orient yourself towards them they lead you to a direction of that which is good and for me that which is good is god and the devil is those ideals that when you orient themselves yourself towards them they lead you in a path that leads you into catastrophe and destruction and for me that's the devil in my mind, I do not have some big guy up there in heaven watching me and doing all these things. Now, I, I, and, I'm, and I'm just saying, this is not an expert opinion. Yeah. But I would rather believe God as a site of ideas, a set of ideals, that I, if I orient myself towards those ideals, and I can manifest those archetypal 
perfect ideals, then I become the best version of who I am. Who I think if there is a God, in, in any case, if there is a God who is a creature, if he saw me doing that, maybe I'm on a better side to have a conversation with him if I'm oriented in that direction. Like I said earlier, there's a good amount of suffering and evil built within the substructure of life. Mm. I personally believe we exist in a world of good and evil. And I personally believe there's a good amount of both in this life. And you can only orient yourself in any of those directions. You can't orient yourself in both. You either orient yourself towards the evil or you either orient yourself towards the good. Now, so my critique of the religious people is because they, they, they fail to explain what exactly they mean when they say believe or when they say these things. And that leaves a gray area. And the people who have curious minds can't live there. They will keep questioning and pushing back. And if you're not giving people answers, then it means you don't know what you are talking about. And you cannot flaunt around fear and all these things. And then you think people are going to just take it because you're giving it to them like, you know, first principles. Yeah. So, I'm trying to remember what the question was because I feel like I went on a rabbit trail over there. Yeah. But, the, the, we're still comparing cultures, by the uh -huh. way. So, but, yeah. And, uh, we drifted from... Religion, in mm -hmm. terms of, 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 of... When it comes to our culture. Mm -hmm. like, it was where we lost it. Yeah? I believe it's where we lost it. What I also think, though, and here I could hear your opinion... Now, when you look at education, yeah, yes. there are two things we could have had. We could have had uh, education swept down to us, like they pushed down religion, the missionaries, and we, we study so that economic mobility is, is easier, things like that. But then, because a religion bit carries the same culture, like you talked about what happens in the West, where people are just bandwagon thinking. Mm -hmm keeps us poor when it keeps us poor what do i think keeps us poor there's no 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 when when we're poor mm -hmm. there's no actual how can i put it you can do so little when you're poor right yes when you don't have money and access to things because money then gives you access to stuff mm-hmm so do you feel like that's also a thing? Do you feel like the fact that the education system in the West is, is, is designed better than what we have here? Okay, so I don't think so. Um, well, by and large, mm. they have better qualities, you know, better services, you know, resources. So you can argue mm. that education in the West but education for a world that the West envisioned. You see, the education we have here in Africa is a construct, is a, is a West man's construct. So the education we have in Africa was constructed to orient us in the direction that the white man wanted us to go. Yeah. That is why the most educated people in, the, in these African countries, yeah. are the, I find them as the most completely detached people from who exactly they are. Yeah. You know, I find them so detached. I find them so complacent. 
I find them so ignorant of who exactly they are. Actually, the more people claim to be educated here in Africa, the more they sound more like a, a white man that has been painted black. You get? They, 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 we parrot the same white man ideas. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to say all these, all, I'm not trying to say white men ideas are bad. You get? Because some of these ideas have been the product, the, the civilization we, we, we share and things we enjoy today. Some of these things have been, you know, propagated by white men ideas. Mm. But the education we have here in Africa was not designed to build, to build Africans or to develop Africans. It is why we are in 2023, but still 70% of our survival is on Western aid. Why haven't we been able to replicate, to, to produce things that we need, you know, here? Why? You know, I mean, you look at where is our position? It's corruption. You look at our position on the global stage. Where are we? When America copes, we just spoil our tiles, right? When Russia copes, we, we, we don't even know where we are right now. You get? So, as far as education is in Africa, I do not think it was designed to even have us empowered or to even have um, Africans think on them for themselves. I think that it was just built to create a worker force, you know, mm. for the white man in the service of the white man's ideas. But you'd ask yourself, what were the black man's ideas? Now, I don't know those because they've not been documented. You know, the, the victors, the, those who win wars are the ones who write history. Mm. So, so many things don't get it all. It's hard to know exactly what were the black people's ideas. Because even these people we call our founding fathers, you look at them, look at them seven years, look at all these great guys, they're all enabled by the West. Literally, they are, they are not in the service of their own people, they are serving ideas and interests of the West. Mm. You get? So, do we really have ideas that are our own? You get? Is, is there something draws, connects back into religion? The we might have ideas that are our own. What, what are these ideas? Like cats are entrepreneuring things here and there, left, right, and center, so they're really creative. It's just that what it takes to give these ideas life. If you're operating with Silicon Valley money, you can kick off a stupid app that is giving people what? Mm -hmm. money and you blow up, right? Mm -hmm. What are the chances that when you create a Facebook from Uganda, it can actually turn out to become a Facebook? Yeah, but, that, actually have the power but is that our idea? That's just you replicating what a white man has already done. The point I was making is... An original idea. Exactly. Okay, what happens if I did... Uh, you know, we used to communicate back then, right? We used to communicate by... The, the, used to write letters. Which was also an idea we learned from white people. Okay, the kings used to drum. I don't know. I don't know before <laughs> the white man. Whatever that was. Exactly. Like, we could not still amplify that to be... A transactional medium of communication. On a global scale. Uh, yeah, well, maybe. Uh, because yes. these ideas were better, the white man idea. Yeah. And, and do you think you sound racist when you single them out as white men ideas? No, I don't. And, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, my yeah, wife like, is a white woman, and I don't. And let me. Uh, I am a, a good embodiment of some really good white men ideas. Because I'm telling you, the things that have come to define my life, most of the things, most of how I see the world, yeah. I, I like the, there are some white men ideas or white people ideas, let me call them Western ideas, yeah. that have come to define my life. 
and I've made my life better actually. So here's the thing, like I said, two, two worlds are at war with each other, mm. the good and evil. The same white man who brought us religion also bought slaves from here. You get? The same white man that bought slaves here, other white men fought them to stop slavery. You get? In America, the Confederate States had to shoot each other with the states from the north yeah. to, to end you know, slave trade and get rid of it. So, it's not like, it's not like every white person has a collective think. People have always been thinking differently but trying to negotiate life together. But, but both worlds have had their ideas blow out of proportion in some areas and some blow out in proportion in some areas. So, most of the ideals I embody, actually, I feel like they are constructs from that Judeo-Christian world, you know. And these were actually explained to the rest of the world by white people. So it's not like I'm trying to write them off or saying, I'm only trying to say, I do not know where our ideas are. You get, it's hard. The more you get educated, even today in Africa, is the harder it becomes to even find what would be African ideas. Yeah. You get, it's like, well, name one intellectual, you know, this is the biggest intellectual we have of our land. And tell me, one idea this person stands for that is actually a construct, you know, a, a, a construct from our, you know, traditional culture. Well, you, yes, I'm talking about money. I, I had, I don't know all the information. It started from here. It started from here. Yeah. But I heard when these guys who came up with this idea shared it with people who supposedly could have known that this is a big, big, big thing. Mm. I'm told these people were neglected, ignored, yeah. and they ended up selling the software to some big, big deep pockets in the West. And then these people make, made the thing a big scale. And right now it's a billion dollar, you know, business. We yeah. now use money on wallets and things like that. But I, but I'm told it's that idea. I do not have all the information. I, I, I'm, I'm sure. Okay. Not like totally sure, but I know for a fact that, you know, yeah, you know, so, so, that. so, so an idea like that, look, can you with confidence stand on a global stage? And explain and say, oh, that was our African idea. Can you? Yeah. What, what, how do you make that argument? We are pioneers. Of, like, people are really transacting on their phones. Ain and around here, right? People had to technically use the banks. Yeah. Send wave Western Union ID, but instantly you get money on your phone from yeah. across the world. Yeah, and it's the most cool thing, actually. Yeah. But even our ideas... Okay, well, of course it's best around the technology, the white money. Yeah, yeah. So. But, but you can still argue, you can still argue that it was something. But look at how we treated it. Mm. Right now, if you don't have the information you have, Mark, it's hard to even think that this was our idea. So what I'm trying to say is that the more we become educated, the, the more I look into the world of, you know, the elite, you know, the, the hard it is for me to find an African man. I just find black people white people in black people's skins you get okay let's look at family let's become a, a not controversial here but let's look at family africans from the past i hear we used to be very polygamous yeah right and some white guys rolled in here and they told us being polygamous is bad is evil all you need 
is one woman. Yeah. This one woman idea was even was it's also not a traditional white man's idea. It's a it's a product of the Enlightenment. It's like 100, 200 years old type of idea. Mm. The, these guys were practicing polygamy mm. too. You know, the kings in, in France, in Italy, the Vatican, uh, no, not the Vatican, but you know, uh, Ro Rome, you know, all these big kingdoms, the kings had like many, 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 many Even the Bible, King Solomon. In, in, in the Bible. Bible. But these guys came here in the Enlightenment and they told us polygamy is evil. You get? One woman, one man. One man. And you know, they somehow managed to convince us. Right now, when you find an, an African man with more than one woman, if he's not Muslim, at least for Muslim, uh, for Islam, <coughs> makes an argument, yeah, you know, for you being polygamous if you can take care of, of your woman. Exactly. But if, 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 if it was not for that, if you, find, if you found me, and I say, okay, I want to have, you know, more than one woman, yeah. you call me a pervert. You know, like, that's how they label you. But this was not our idea. There is a way they made us hate everything that made us who we are. Now, I come from a very dysfunctional extended family. Yeah. I also know that honestly, for the society we live in today, without limited resources, uh, mon a monogamous family is the best thing that can happen you know, for humanity because when a father and a mother with their limited resources yeah. can channel those to their children and share their love with them, they will raise emotionally stable and hardworking children. My father was able to do that. I grew up in that family, mm. in that type of, you know, in that type of a family. But was polygamy, is polygamy, just because it's, it's frowned upon it today, today's society, was it entirely a bad idea? Because mm. no, but... They would, they would find a way to make us feel very small about that. And now, you know, we throw it through the window. Wait, let me, let me first get this straight. Yes. You think polygamy is a good idea? I think polygamy is a reward to men that have been able to achieve things that others have not. I feel like polygamy is a reward to men that have achieved things. Well... When you, when you raise to a certain level, mm -hmm. you in, should have of in society. Yeah. Why should you be limited with how much how much women you can have? So there's two things here. No, I'm not shining your your perspective. By the way. Yes, I probably agree with you to some level. There are two things. Do we measure the success of the man by how many women he sleeps with? Sleeps with or is married to? It's the same thing. No. You marry someone you sleep with. Yes. Married, sleep, okay. whatever terms you want to put okay. in there. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Do we measure the success of a man based on how many women he sleeps with or. Do we measure his success by how much money he has? It could be two things, right? The guys hmm. who have a lot of money still sleep with the most women. So it works hand in hand. So, so this, again, this is not an expert opinion, but this is my personal opinion. Don't worry, this is big conversations by ordinary people. So I, personally, I think yeah. neither of those is a measure of success. But those are a product of success. So for me, I feel like a successful man is a man that has been able to integrate 
himself in the most best way possible. That as a ripple effect of that, yeah. he has access or unlimited access to some of these things that life offers us. Mm -hmm. Look, women don't come from the devil. Life offers us these women. God, if, if, if women were evil, if we, an evil thing to think about. Okay, what makes men and women bad but one woman good? There is nothing. Now, I'm not trying to make a case for polygamy on your podcast. Yeah. No, no, no. Because I believe in monogamy. I'm a very monogamous man. But we're trying to have a very objective conversation about the subject. Yeah. But polygamy wins. In your, like, much as you're a monogamous man, you believe in polygamy. If you're going to be a monogamous man who believes in polygamy, <laughs> that's a trap you're setting for me. <laughs> I personally think, I personally think that a, a non-integrated male creature... Yeah gravitates in a polygamous world because i do not <laughs> no 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 i don't complicate the english uh-huh you believe that a non-integrated man who's a non-integrated man a non-integrated man yeah. is a man who still falls or resides within the hedonistic impulses of his adolescent fantasy okay that makes sense personally that's what i think when does a man jump out of that I think that a man jumps out of that. When they commit? Not when they commit. When they make a decision to grow up out of the adolescent fantasy. This is what happens to boys when we, when we hit puberty. When, I'm going to go back a little bit. Yeah. Biology matures women. When women hit puberty, they start you know, going through you know, whatever they go through, their body and things change to prepare them to have children. You get yeah. to nurture children and raise babies because babies are really very delicate things to deal with. Yeah. And the biology that happens in their bodies helps women to be able to be that's what women are really good with, you know, yeah. little babies. You know, a, a woman is the best, the, the little baby is in the safest hands when they are with, you know, a woman. That's why, Mark, you can't take your three months old baby in a kindergarten run by guys. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I have my kids, let me take her to a daycare center. It's run by, you know, 20 guys. Mm. It, it, that's, that's ridiculous. Now, for us boys, biology doesn't mature us like that. In fact, biology, two things happen. Either it traumatizes us or simply confuses us. Huh? And we, we, we exist in a gray area. Yeah. It's like, all you, you see all these body changes happening in your body. You're having all these urges. But, re the, but the reality of life slaps you in the face. You know, as you watch your private parts become bigger <laughs> and longer, well, you are still broke. You were in high school. Mm. You don't have money. So, so you had already defined the standards for who gets laid and who doesn't. So even with all these things happening in our body, as a young man, you don't, we, 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 we only find meaning. A young man can only transform from a young man to an integrated man yeah. by finding meaning in life. And that meaning in life for a young man can only be, be found in the adoption of responsibility. Any young man who doesn't adopt responsibility becomes a man-child. And that responsibility might be in the service of ideas that are bigger than you. Exactly. That is the crisis I went through when I was at university. So, an integrated man 
Yeah. Someone who's been able to integrate his hedonistic, you know, feelings and impulses. He has all, you still has all these sexual urges, but he's able to know that I can't channel, I can channel my energy to, to someone or to something else. Or if I channel it with one woman, the two of us are going to create something, you know, so good. So instead of me channeling all my sexual energy to 20 women, I will concentrate it to this one woman. And then I will use the rest of this energy to create wealth, you know, to create things, to serve humanity, to serve ideas that are bigger than me. That's a man that is integrated. That is the only man that can settle for one woman. I'm married, Mark. When I was making a decision to marry my wife, I was not over there love struck, you know, feeling like I'm in love, you know. No, I didn't make my, the decision to marry my wife under the influence of hormones. That's not how you decide who you're marrying to. How do you decide who you're marrying? Well, I decided who I'm marrying to because I, I decided to adopt responsibility in service to ideas that were bigger than me. So since these ideas were bigger than me, I needed someone that I would be able to negotiate through life with in service of these ideas. Sometimes it could be family. Because family sounds like a simple thing, but family is a bigger idea. You get, yeah. you know, you meet this chick, you know, you, 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 you're getting lied, they get pregnant. What comes out of there is a human being. A human being whose life, entire life and existence depends on what you're going to cut out for them. You get, yeah. so that's bigger than you. You can't do that alone. But it's a, it's a battle worth choosing because it, it teaches you to live for just beyond just more than you, more than yourself. Because if you live for just more than yourself, then you are trapped in your hedonistic impulses. In our male creature, forget about an integrated man, in our male creatures, men, we, want, we would want to sleep with everything we find. M men can sleep with almost anything. If you tell them, no one is going to know. No one is watching. Because our hormones, as long as we see, you know, perception, we perceive things, your hormones run through your body, you are, before you know it, you are sleeping. It is only an integrated man yeah. that sees women and goes like, yeah, but I will not sleep with all of them. I can only, you know, choose this, you know, woman. But you still wish you'd sleep with every woman. Well, if you still wish you would sleep with other women. I mean, there's nothing wrong with making a wish. I, I know, but look, the point I'm making is, if you're a married man who still wishes you would, would sleep, wishes... You can be a married man who sleeps with other women. But if you're a married man who still wishes would sleep with other women, it means that you made the decision to marry the woman you married based on hormones. Based on hormones or based on delusion. You get. Because the fact of the matter is we <laughs> some people maybe marry for sex. But marriage Do they? Well, I think some well, yeah. do. I think I'd marry for but, sex. But if you look at Marriage as an institution, right? The things that make up marriage as an institution, yes, sex is a very important. And it has to be good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Any, but some marriages have terrible sex. But, you know. I wouldn't stay in a marriage. <laughs> Yo, look, sex is, is, you know, sex is good. But that can't be the only motivation for you to get married. Because, Mark, you're not marrying a robot. Yeah. You're not marrying a sex machine. What happens if six months into your marriage happens and your wife is sick? Okay, when women give birth, some of them have really, really uh, very terrible delivery, you know, processes. Yeah. They all torn and, you know, 
They need like months to heal and regenerate. Well, what are you going to do? I, I don't want to leave your podcast when people think I'm an apologist for polygamy. Yeah. But the point I was trying to make here, the point I was trying to wrestle with is a, a, a boy can only become a man if they become fully integrated. And culture has defined integration, you know, you know, because marriage is a culture, you know, construct. Yeah. It's not something that we came from our wombs knowing about. It's something we learn about in society. Yeah. So, so, according to the culture within belief, when you become, when you finally get married, well, you are transitioning from just a boy into a man. At that level, you are expected to have integrated your impulses because you're going to be a leader to this woman and one year, two years in, you're going to have children and you want, you're going to be their father, their provider, their protector, all these things. Only an integrated man is capable of those things because those are not small things, Mark. So, uh, the point I was struggling to make earlier is that in, in our male nature, we are very polygamous people. But for the good of society to work, enforced monogamy, for me that's how I call it, I think it's enforced monogamy. Because if it was just a natural proclivity to monogamy, we wouldn't need all these laws that, that hold marriages together. That, you know, we wouldn't need divorces to be there. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be shaming people who sleep, you know, adultery or whatever. Yeah. Why would God have to write a law against, you know, adultery? So, yeah, it's enforced. It's enforced by religion, it's enforced by society, because we think that one man, one woman is the ideal, you get? But an ideal is not the reality. An ideal is a direction we want to go. Yeah. It's not where we are, it's where we want to go, yeah. you get? So, but in our male nature, for us as guys, we have a proclivity to want variety of women. For women, it's not like that. For women... Maybe not all of them. I don't want to be, you know, to generalize things because now society is a bit different. There are women who sleep around with men and they say they are okay. But what I know is, they're not okay. Women, are, women have a proclivity to to leverage their beauty for the most highest status male they can find. Just like a man is as faithful as his options, regardless of whether they have integrated themselves. Yeah, you know. If I don't know you, what you mean by that exactly. Like, once you have options and they're available for you, mm -hmm. you can always choose. Mm -hmm. But there are people without options. Have you thought about that angle? Yeah. So, but, you know, women have a proclivity to want to choose the best guy around. And the only reason they do that is because they know that at a certain point, they are going to be at most vulnerable. You know, human beings were the most ridiculous creature ever. Women are pregnant for nine months, and then they produce a baby, who you have to raise for 18 years. And then if, even after 18 years, they still turn out dumb and stupid. If you look at other, <laughs> other animals, their offspring, a bird kicks away its chick in three days. You get, the ego gets this thick, takes up in the clouds, and leaves it to fly on its own. Other offsprings of all other creatures, they adapt to life very fast. Human beings don't. So women know, bi bi biology, 
it orients them in that direction of mothering and nurturing and, you know, yeah. of course, with the help of the father. But because of the vulnerability that comes with that, you know, they need provision, they will need protection, they will need all these things. So they have a proclivity to look for the highest status man available. Now today, in the world we live today, we no longer fight wars and battles. Back then, villages used to invade villages and people used to, you know, kings used to fight kings. You needed a powerful man to protect you. Mm. Now in society today, <clears throat> women are getting educated as more girls in universities than men. You know, women have jobs and all these things and women can afford to provide for themselves in the absent in the absence of you know of a man. Now we have these uh, women have control as on, it should be right on their reproductive health. Now I don't know if that's what it should be. I I cannot say because like we're both coexisting human beings. Yeah, well, men and women yeah. from the dawn of humanity have been trying to negotiate how to live with one another. Men have always been going to fight wars and protect, you know, their women. Women have always had to stay home, you know, raise children and, you know, you know, do things that, you know, women were doing, you know, you know, traditionally. You know, you can also say, well, there were no birth control pills then. There were no, you know, machines, you know, to help women with housework. So they had to be confined in their homes. That's why, and actually men created these things. Men created birth control pills. Men created all these things. Now you can say that at some extent, they have alleviated pain, you know, from women, the burden yeah. of, of, of dealing with these things. But also you can make an argument that, well, it's all not well. We have the most number of educated women in the world today, mm. but they are the least happy people you can find. How do you measure that happiness, though? Like, well, how do you know that women are the least happy people? Yet, <clears throat> when you to look at, um, say, we, we are in a digital era, right? Yeah. So we are using a lot of social media. Yes. When you look at Instagram and the algorithm, mm -hmm. it's, it's going to show you, much as of course, yes, I understand the fact that people only want to post happy moments on social media. So that's not a fact. That's not to take away the fact that they could be sad. But also, the majority of the happy moments we see from social media mm -hmm. is from women than from men. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's easier for you to see 100 pictures of women in Bali, uh, or women being given cars or yeah women in, in bikini so how do you measure their happiness well yeah well this is why i disagree with you mm. i think what you are calling happiness i call it female delusion okay because if you're going to the bar drinking all this alcohol you're drinking that you didn't buy someone else paid it for mm. and you're getting drunk and you're going to have to sleep with this person have some guy random guy spend all this money on you you can't afford even these things and at the end of the night they're going to take you home you know and sleep with you i don't know how you call that happiness because personally i feel like well well you're eliminating the fact that there's consensual sex there like, well, well yeah and, yes it's consensual and it's you who have spent the drinks the open it's consensual, but what, do, what, what do we call happiness? I think our definition of happiness is different. Let me hear you. Personally, I feel like happiness is the proclivity or the orientation we get towards positive emotion. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, there is an illusion of happiness and real happiness. Okay. Most of these chicks that um, we see in the bar, in these Instagram chicks, you know, that, you know, put this facade 
of happiness for the world to see. Some of these things are, some of these things are going through some of the most horrible things, the most weird experiences. Yes, on Instagram we see the bands you're driving, we see all these things, but in the background, the things that they are having to do for them to maintain that facade or that illusion of happiness are so horrible. It takes a toll on them. You get? Yeah. Now, when you look at a married woman on the other side, not all of them, yeah. because not all marriages are, you know, flowers and whatever. But some of these women, traditional, I won't speak for, you know, from a traditional sense, women always found happiness in finding the most high-status man available and using their beauty, giving him a promise of, exclus of sexual exclusivity and the promise of children, you know, which is family, as leverage. Forget about this whole thing of people falling in love, he's my wife, he's my husband. Yeah. The relations between men and women, we are, we are both manipulating each other. Is, we are just trying to coexist with each other. We all come from different places and we're trying to coexist with each other. It's not like some kind of... Uh, I don't believe in uh, these stories where they say, oh, you know, God talked to me, he told me this man is going to be, you know, these spiritual things that people attach to these things. Personally, I feel like two strangers meet each other and they ne negotiate with each other. They vet with each other and they realize they don't want to live alone. They want to live with this person and then they build a family together. And then as they negotiate with life with each other, they become attracted to each other because they find they have more in common or they agree to go in the same direction so they find themselves you know living together yeah. i've i've had stories and i've read some you know statistics i, I don't want to quote wrong statistics but i have read polls and things like that oh. where you know the, if you're asking for a group of women who are happy you know when talking about happiness maybe this is in the west maybe it's not here in africa yeah but some married women but a lot of what is in the West reflects here, right? Yeah, yeah. but some, you know, most married women are more happy and satisfied in life than these, you know, single women. The only thing single women get to do that married women don't get to do is being able to sleep around, being able to go and play, you know, date many guys as you want, you know, drink, you know, no, you're not accountable to anyone. Eh? You are independent. You know, that's what they call it, right? That, that seems to be the only thing that single ladies get to do that married women don't get to do. The, 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 the alternative though is that married women sleep with their husbands, they also have their children, and if they wanted to go out with their husbands, they get to do it. So they have the benefits of being a woman without having to put yourself on the line, risking your life with the strangers, with, with people you, you, know, you just met. You may call that sexual liberation or independence, but I see it as the highest level of gambling. At least, you know, I, I don't know. And maybe we are looking at this from, you know, different lenses. So, yes, I know there's been emancipation, women in schools, women in work, in workplaces and all these things. And you can argue that there has been some good, you know, that has come, you know, from there. But also you can also argue that so many things have been lost, mm. you know, within, within the process. Back in the day, women used to get married young. Well, we, we, in their youth, you know, they would get married, grow up, you know, with, with their children. And, you know, because as you grow up, we grow old, your circle of friends becomes small. 
honor the people who are into your life. Your life becomes more particular. Yeah. You can't share your life with strangers as you're growing up. You can only share it with few people. So most time in, in the past, that was your children. Your children became your your social life. Yeah. You know, they became everything you you know you have, and you dedicate your life to making sure they they becoming the best you know you know person they, they, they can be. But what is happening today, as you know, we've gone on with this emancipation thing. Now women are giving birth at 35, at 40. Now you can still give birth even at 44, right? Yeah. But you are 44. You've lost the aura of your youth. You get. The way you're going to socialize your kid is completely different and destructive from the best way this kid would have been socialized. If what you gave... is the best way? What's the... Well, you know, there's something I cannot explain. There's something beautiful about the insanity of, of youth. It's like when you, when you are young and you have your children, you make many mistakes, yes? You don't have as many resources, you know? And, 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 and actually, this is one other thing that, you know, the argument that comes up. People say when you are young, you don't have money, you, you're going to struggle with this kid. But when it comes to socializing a kid and raising up a, a normal human being, yeah. it is not that you need the excess of resources to do it. You just need to have a proper set of values and things that you're going to orient this kid, you know, in line with. I live in the West, in places where kids have been raised with too much, with a spoon in their mouth. And I can tell you the West has some of the most ungrateful kids you'll ever find on earth. They don't even understand the value of their parents' sacrifices. Because there's so much abundance, you get. In the West... Some of the most successful people in the world, they, they have the highest drug issues today in the world. If you go in San Francisco, in all these big cities, kids are shooting themselves with <laughs> injections, you know, fentanyl and all these things. You get? Mm -hmm. It's not because they come from poor families. It's because they've been raised with a spoon in their mouth. That's happening here, man. And it's also starting to happen here. Now, I think it's been happening. So, so the point I was trying to make, you know, before we go there, is that, the, the things I've read, the literature I've read, maybe it's updated, maybe it's, it's, out, it's out of, you know, balance, but research shows that married women are happier. are happier than, you know, than the single ladies. That is why, you know, everyone cheers, you know, when you're a single lady, go girl, you know, independent, you know, bad Let boss bitch. do a Google search on that. I don't believe it. You know, you know, bad bitch, boss lady, whatever. But you see those boss ladies, when they finally get engaged to end married, you see how they celebrate the idea that they are getting married. So it means that there's still something valuable, you know, about being married. Now, in life today, it's so messed up today that also people get married and they married. They just married the wrong people, you get. Sometimes we just marry boys who have not integrated themselves. Because some of the, today, in today's society... Okay, let me stop you, sir. Yes. Yeah? When you randomly type into... The Google feed. Yes. Are married women happier than single women? The first thing it brings is, however, experts say that single women are happier than married women. Psychology Today quoted expert Paul Dolan, professor of behavior science at the London School of Economics, saying single women with no children are the happiest. Is it married? The, the, the Paul Dolan? Yeah. When you further go and click on his article and his research. Yes. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to. India is a country where cultures are respected and people tend to treat more for social purposes. At the same time, the people of the nation are slowly opening themselves to a new 
and it has made them more accepting of the different lifestyles that were earlier considered more unorthodox than others. Mm-hmm. Therefore, a lot of people marry and love their way set of lives. Okay? So India also has the best population. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people marry and love their Whereas others don't want to see and want to stay single. When a woman remains unmarried after a certain age, a section of society has several questions to ask them. However, experts say that single women are happier than married women. Psychology Today quoted expert Paul Dolan, professor of behavior and science at the London School of Economics, as saying that single women with no children are the happiest. Dolan says that men derive benefits from marriage, this is where it's ending, men derive benefits from marriage, which makes them happy being married more than they are single. However, this does not apply to women. And I kind of agree with it. In, in a world where the patriarchy is prevailing, you have to go men, there, huh? Patriarchy. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because in a world where the patriarchy is prevailing, mm. really, 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 mm. men get to benefit from marriages. Mm. And women in, don't. On a happier scale. I, th- I think when you see it from the reality of it, mm. right? Uh, you literally get a companionship but also stroke slave in your house. What is the alternative? Single, no spouses, and living your life smoking your weed at 42 and chilling. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's the thing, Mark. Here's the thing. Eh? I love us to reside so much in reality. Yeah. You know? Uh, you know, there's, like I said earlier, there's an illusion of happiness and there's happiness, right? You know, when you are young, you're a boy, when you finally leave your parents' home, you know, you're becoming independent, you know, you want to party, do this, have chicks, do the other, right? The reality of life is the time comes when you, you get tired of that. Do you know what that means? Mm-hmm. It means that you are moving into a phase where you need something more than just sex and parties to sustain you through life. Remember I made a statement earlier that there's a great deal of suffering that is built within the substructure of life. That is a reality we should never forget. And the only thing that justifies meaning, no, no, the only thing that justifies our existence that is so painful. Yeah. Some of us, if you were given a choice, if we would have been born or never been born, well, if there was a place where we sit down and look on earth, and how people do their life, and we take a poll if you want to be born or not to be born, I would have decided not to be born if I knew all the responsibility and the suffering that comes in life you get so there's a substructure of pain built within life mm-hmm. human evolution and civilization has only evolved to solve two things to prevent you from dying or to slow down your death and to reduce your pain yeah. so th- there is pain and suffering in life that's the best reality of life mm-hmm. we have more proclivity to negative emotion than we do for positive emotion Man is happy in the pursuit of something than he is in the achieving of that thing. Now, you may, you, mm-hmm. you, you, you may not see it that way, but that is actually true. When, you're try, when your dream is to get to the West, or your dream is to um, become a seated businessman, yeah. you, you are more happy in the pursuit of that, in just strategizing, doing things, that lead you there, making sacrifices to get there, than you are when you finally get there. So, since that is the reality of life and we have established that point, 
Now let us examine what do we exactly mean by happiness. Now these experts they are quoting, they are the same experts who advised us during COVID time. And you know how stupid they all sounded. So, and you see, that's how, that's how the Western world works. Everything is about experts. Experts. Western people are quick to quote experts because they want to avoid thinking. This is a professor. They probably did some research. Let me tell you, in the West, professors are some of the most, most dumb people you'll ever come across. Some right. of these ideas that are destroying the world are propagated by professors. Yeah. These ideas, you know, I mean, these ridiculous ideas and... I don't even want to get into it. I don't want this video to be censored when you put it on these platforms. These ideas are being propagated by professors who are shoving them down the throats of these university younger kids. This is what happens. Let's go back to where I started this podcast. Mm -hmm. My crisis of trying to understand my place in the world. A young man who is integrating his impulses. The first thing that comes that hits you when you're in that phase is you have this messianic impulse. To save the world or dominate it yeah. when you're a younger person who's trying to integrate into a, a person of substance in life there's that messianic impulse now at college you know my kids are like you know 18 19 20 21 that is the formative stage of a younger person and they're in college with these professors who believe the most ridiculous things and teach them the most ridiculous things and these kids because of this messianic impulse to save the world they get high on this stuff and they regurgitate it. The world of degenerates has been constructed in universities. Most people, if you ask them where they lost their virginity, is at the university. They, they were at home, their parents had you know, raised them well, blah, 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 until they reached university, and now they can justify sleeping around. Now, a few years later, those decisions come back to bite you up. Let us act like we've not faced the consequences of some of these decisions. You get yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you may say these, you know, these chicks are happy or these people are happy living, you know, the, this life that we see on Instagram. Yeah. But we know that the reality of life is this is just a facade trying to mask the pain and suffering that lies behind this facade that they're painting for us. Mm -hmm. and, and let me tell you, this is how the West lives. And this is the idea of the West. It's, it's a utopia. This idea of telling people that you're going to be happy by sleeping around, you're going to be happy by, you know, drinking and doing all these things. You do whatever makes you happy. And that's what is, you know, that's a lie. We live in a broken world, Mark. There's a great deal of suffering. The only thing that justifies our existence is adoption of responsibility. Mm. First for ourselves, but also in services to things that are bigger than us. A man who has nothing to live for is living the most diminished life, denied of curiosity, denied... I mean, that, that, that's the most pathetic way of existence. If you have nothing to live for. Exactly. Can you live for nothing? Well... In the context of it, like, everyone really works out. I feel like people who says... When you say something like that... Yes. A point of ignorance. No, not ignorance. A point of privilege that you are not aware about. So that's where the ignorance then comes in from, like... When you say a man, how do you judge a man who's not living for something? How do I judge or how do I tell a man? How do you tell a man? A man who is living for nothing is a man who is trapped in his adolescent fantasy, adolescenthood, adolescenthood fantasy. That's a man who is living for nothing. That's a man 
who finds uh, his satisfaction in hedonism i don't know if, i don't know which other word to use mm. you know because impulsive pleasures are the things where that man finds fulfilling the problem is that it's not being fulfilled those hedonistic pleasures uh, can mask a wound that exists within the life of this man because life inflicts wounds on us as human beings as we grow up it puts pressure on us there is a wound in every man's life now you can choose to mask that wound with the donistic impulses or you can choose to justify the pain of your existence the only reason that stops some men from deleting themselves you know from killing themselves some people commit suicide they get overwhelmed and they just kill themselves because they can't bear the burden of existence the only thing that stops a man from deleting himself is if he has adopted something he has an idea and when I say living for something bigger than you, I'm not, I'm not talking about wanting to become a billionaire or wanting to become, you know, that's what I'm meaning. I am meaning picking up ideas like family. Let's start from just down there. Family. A man who has a child to raise, a man to raise, will wake up in the morning to go and pick up trash in the city just so he can bring food for his wife and children at home. That is a man who has something to live for. That's a man who... That is a man who has been forced. He's not being forced. To live for something. Because you see, once you have family and you have to go, hypothetically speaking. Yes. And you have to still go and pick trash. Mm -hmm. Right? It means that you are constrained by the shackles of this small world we are living. Yes. And you have to automatically delete the small happiness that would have otherwise been for you mm -hmm. in the quest of someone else's survival this is mm -hmm. someone you put on earth mm -hmm. yeah and that doesn't seem like something so much fulfilling and yeah yes and look look i i, I picked that just you know as an example there are so many things that men can live for True. you know uh, it's not just it may not be you having kids it may be you looking at the suffering in this world and choosing to say hey let my life count if I can just reduce on, on the amount of suffering in this world, mm. you know, let's say I was able to just, I won't have kids, but I'm going to make some money. Maybe I'll push a few street kids out there, you know, through school, you know, maybe, well, um, there are people murdering women or killing this type of people in this village, or maybe in the service of my country, I'll go and I'll protect my people. That guy decided to become a military man. You get, there are things that are bigger than you. I picked family because I am a big believer in family. But there are so many things that are, you know, bigger than you. There are ideals that are bigger than you. Because the alternative is, we established already that there is there's suffering in, in this world. And there is pain that comes with it. Now, Mark, with all the suffering and the pain in the world, the only why would you want to stay in a place that inflicts all that pain to you? So the only thing that makes you stay in a place like that is the belief that despite of all this suffering and pain around me, I can still rise to the occasion and try to become the best I can Be. become. Mm. You get? Yeah. So that is the only thing that justifies the suffering in the world. Now, I don't think it is sleeping around with millions of chicks. Maybe some people find... But is that really a bad thing? Well, it's not. Like I said, women are created by God. They are not, you know, they are not, you know, bad. 
but the energy you channel <laughs> into that can be channeled like gym every day can <laughs> yes you can do that mark but here's the thing there's no way you can pacify a thousand women without breaking a thousand hearts because women they fall in love and their highest level of leverage is their sexual exclusivity is one thing they have in the marketplace that that honestly as men we are con- we, we would want a, a, a poor man or a rich man one of the things that we would want do you, would you hypothetically if you are not married, yes would you prefer to marry a virgin i marry a virgin so you are telling me that <coughs> for a woman uh, their sexual exclusivity is like their biggest leverage right yeah the highest form of leverage you're not any different from the people that believe that as a man yeah your cheating can be forgivable and shouldn't be criminalized but if a woman if your woman cheats on you you don't take them back because you feel like you're the only one supposed to be in that woman so that exclusivity <laughs> no i wouldn't say that regards to you cheating around right uh-uh. i wouldn't say that i think that's narrowing it you know down yeah and i think that is the they call that toxic masculinity exactly. i think that is that's a, a low resolution view of sexual exclusivity mm. i think when i say that for women is leverage and you know People forget that we've, we are evolving from an ugly past. So that brings the other, other actually, the bigger question. Yes. Of, as a man now, yeah. do you think you feel accomplished or you feel some sense of victory when you marry a virgin? It, so I'll get to that. Okay. So let me start with sec- the sexual exclusivity part. Yeah, yeah. Right? People forget that this is 2023 and people think that life began in 2020. Life has been here for thousands and millions of years. And we've been trying to evolve from a dark, primitive, barbaric past to a future that we've clearly negotiated, you know, with each other. Mm. Now, I understand that in the life today, in the culture today, in society today, the way culture is set up today, with women being able in, being in control of their you know, sexual life, yeah. it kind of gives them a chance to be able to sleep with multiple you know partners or delay when they have children mm-hmm. right i understand that's the world we live in today but that's not the world as it has always been the world as it has always been there was no birth control before the 60s the moment a woman had children you know, the moment you started going through puberty and you had sex you would get pregnant there was no education for women in the past. Yeah. Even men, even education is a new idea. So, you need the powerful man to protect you and your child. Because of the things that we've evolved from. Mm. If you got pregnant when you were not married, you were not the best tool out of the toolbox. So, so you had to frown upon that. You get. And also, there was no DNA machines in the past. The only man would know that this is my child was to make sure they, they are the only man that is sleeping with this, with this woman. 
And the only way you would know you were the only man who was living with this woman is if you knew, you know, this woman and married her, you know, she was a virgin. But also in, in the past, men were marrying really very young kids. Mm. It's like kids were get it was like sex marriage, marriage for kids. So the, our past has nothing good in it. Now there's something good that we you know we've been able we can extract it there, yeah. but some of it is tainted with darkness and malevolence. And I am aware of that. Now you ask me if I'm these guys who say, you know, only, only marry virgins, only virgin is uh, you know valuable. And this this might be misunderstood. As far as someone has life and is a human being, they have the same value. There's dignity for human life. They are as valuable as anyone, whether they are 90 years old, whether they are 80 years old, whether someone just got pregnant yesterday, once they know they are pregnant. For me, I attach value to life from conception to when God takes that life. That's how much value I attach to life. So my views on some things are very traditional and conservative and Christian because that is how I, I, look, I look at life through a, a biblical Christian worldview. Now, I, made, I have my points of departure from a different topics, on certain topics, on, on certain views. I've been able to develop my own theories on some things, but in a broader sense, I, have a, I share Christian worldview. So, so the sexual exclusivity I was talking about, now, I know, I know this is a very controversial thing to talk about, because when you talk about it, you make it look like you're trying to tell women not to have sex. Yeah. Or it feels like you're trying to control women with what they get to do, you know, with their bodies, mm -hmm. right? But here is the thing. Personal, this is my personal opinion. I don't know about other men. Mm. I, I thought I got like I married a virgin. Yeah. Now, I did not go all over the place investigating who is a virgin so I can marry them. Actually, when I met my wife now, then she was my friend. When I found out that she had never been with the man, I did not know, because I was not, you know, I, I, had, I had a couple girlfriends, right? It was until then I didn't know that someone can hold on to some ideas and believe in them and be able to manifest them in a world that tells them to do otherwise. My wife is American. She grew up in American culture, America is the most sexualized place on earth. I think that as Americans, we think 70% sex and 30% other things. But if this chick could grow up in that culture, and I don't want to speak so much, you know, go so much into my private, you know, family life, mm -hmm. but if my wife, if she grew up in that culture, and I met her when she was 24, huh? 24, 23, and she was, you know, she had never, you know, done it. And I asked her why. And her reasons, well, I want the man who is going to marry me to be the only man that will ever know me. You know what I mean? Now, I've never been, I was never a big fan as a younger boy. I was never a big fan of virgins, you know, the things. Because when chicks have not you know, met other guys. They are too much work to deal with for a guy who is unfocused and is only trying to get sex and move on. But I met a girl who had lived to a certain set of values that I only admire. My dad is a reverend. So we grew up telling us these things. You know, keep yourself, don't do this, don't do the other. Some of my sisters were not able to do it. 
some of them actually got you know had kids mm. when they were still in school person i could not i didn't you know i <laughs> I, i had you know sex when i was in high school so i finally met someone who was be, who was able to put up with to go through with all the odds and still keep us off that way i had never met anyone like that you get so i liked this chick and as i am so lucky because the reason that she gave other reasons that there are the things i only could dream about my wife i would want my daughters to be like my wife i would want to the reason i married her is because i really thought you know what i want my daughters to be like this lady here she sacrificed short term happiness such that she can have a testimony and a story to give her daughters when she's raising them and help them cut for them cut out a life for them i loved that and i said you know i'm going to marry this girl and i and i kept my word and i married her now if i found her and she was not would i have married her of course i would have married her because beyond her virginity my wife is everything i i, I wanted to be or my parents wanted me to be <laughs> growing up that i failed so she makes me a better person yeah. you know i learn from her so much it's like this woman is an embodiment of the things that my parents would have wanted me to be so so the point is so that's my point with, you know with sexual exclusivity yeah. but, but you know the other thing is really okay i don't know about other men but given a chance you said there's a there's a double standard like i said there's a built in some special life there's also a double standard built within the substructure of human biology yeah. the fact is like i said earlier biology matures women it doesn't mature us yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a society that matures us yeah. but biology matures women whether she wants or she doesn't when she hits puberty and all these body changes are happening if she mess around like that she's a mother yeah. in 9 months if so it's that's a double standard for us men you need men strong men to be in your life and help help shape cut out a life for you help you teach you how to work hard help you to understand that there is more to life than you know just living a low resolution way of life you need a society of strong men a legion of men to guide you through life now you can say some people have done it on their own yes there are those people but even then they have tried to imitate stories of men that have gone before them and that's how men can be integrated so i personally think with that background i gave for you know not dna machines and men wanting to make sure they were raising their children and their obsession with virgins because i feel like that's you know where it comes from because also virginity kind of signified purity you get it's like you would look at it you know to be honest women focus more about the future of a man that's why when they're looking for the highest status of male possible they look if this person has the ability to take care of them and their children so they are thinking in the future women think in the future now for us men we take long to hit our prime we take long to get to a point where we are the a perfect 
at, at, at perfect stage in society where our, our values as men are cruel as we age. Yeah. But since we take long to get there, we go through so much to get where we are going. Therefore, we are so cautious of people's past because we know the past normally comes back to bait or to haunt us in the present. Women focus on the future. Maybe not all of them, but most women, they marry a guy who promises them a good future. I don't know about other, all the women, but at least the few I've been able to talk to, they will tell you, well, I dreamed of a life with so-and-so, and that's the future I wanted, and that's why I married him. Now, some get it, some get a happy ending, some, you know, you know do not get, because life is chaotic. So many things happen. For you as a man, for us as men, most times, and this is not, I, I want to go, I want to be objective, not so subjective here. For us as men, what do we care about the most in life? Men, we care about food, sex, and respect. I'm going to put emphasis on respect. Because as men, the measure of a man is how he identifies his own ego and where he stands within the hierarchical structure of society. We care about respect. And women, and this could sound very manipulative, but women are not just sex tools to men. Women are also a bargaining chip in the male world. If you are the one married to the hottest chick around, you are the man among men. Yes, this respect, has never run out. Right? respect that comes with that. Yeah. If you if you are able to marry the most you know beautiful woman, you know you know we are, we go out with guys in the bar party and they will ask you where is your wife, and you tell them well, my wife is at home she doesn't like this she's not about this life, and they all keep quiet immediately go like what. How did you find such a lady? We want to be able to be there, talk our shit, and be like, you know, but my wife is at home. I'm going, I'm going to get a few bottles of beer and go home to my chick. It is, it's, it, it is a status. It's, it's, a, it's a game status. Mm -hmm. Guys whose wives are always in nightclubs, man, hanging out with different guys, cannot say the same. We know this. Men, are, uh, we are a bit, forget about these new creations of poly, poly, polyamorous men who enjoy sharing their women with other men. I feel like it's a double standard in our biology, yeah. but we would rather have our women only ourselves. That's what I feel like, and, and, and I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I, feel could, I could be wrong, yeah. but I feel like I would rather have my woman to myself. And even if there were 10, if I had 10 women, I would rather have my 10 women to myself. We are territorial. We have that to us. So, when I say, yeah, sexual exclusivity is a big leverage pitch for women, yes, because normally women who, who are still chaste, right, they're in their youth. Yeah. Trust me, men love youth. We, okay, we may argue and say, oh, no, chicks at 45 are having life, they're having a great time of their life. Well, chicks at 45, they have money. They are driving really nice cars and maybe they're having sex. 
school because these days you know so many younger boys don't even have jobs when they meet a chick with money you know they will fall in line do you know even chicks at 45 they find a lot of privilege in pulling a younger guy yeah. so whether women or men will have youth that's why women are so terrified of age you ask women their age they subtract a number and tell you a small number we like youth and normally girls who are young and they have grown up you know in this you know traditional societies they tend to be just young girls who reach successful men most of them really even this marriage this even married man if you look at some of the marriages that break up the married man is busy trying to get a young girl so i don't know what that it is but i think it is within our you know substructure that we crave youth i don't think me as me i don't think i would marry a chick with a very high body count i don't maybe other men can there are some men who like experience but for me i would rather marry a chick with a, a lower body count and i create experiences with her i i want to create memories with my wife you get i do not want like oh no maybe I'm, maybe this is very traditional and, and, and primitive but i don't know i mean there are some of us we still exist traditional primitive men i would rather call myself that but my woman my wife when i knew when i looked at her her values the thing she stands for beyond even the chaste part you know that was just you know me hitting the jackpot you know being a lucky guy because man i was not about i didn't live like that i i was not able to conduct myself to those highest standards i wasn't and i i i was open and honest about my life with my chick i told her hey here's the thing we have a problem right i was not able i am not even near 40% you know as you know as perfect as you know as you are you know i have this baggage i'm coming with every single day i have to choose my wife because i have some memories of some you know girls that i dated i've dated some girls in the past it's not like i just forgot about them when i got married so i have these things you compare in your as in you you put down like this and you had 50 women you're trying to settle down with who to marry you have all these memories it's hard to pick a woman to marry when you've had a long list of them unless you're just marrying for you know you just get one chick put her home have kids and that's all but you want to marry someone who shares the same values as you or, or you want to go in a certain direction with and you had like 30 of them you see the more women you expose yourself to the more you see the worst side of women the same thing happens to women the more a woman exposes herself to so many men the more you see the worst side of men that is why in the end women that have slept around so much with so many men and men that have slept around so much with many women have a very hard time to be able to finally say you know either they just get tired like reach, they reach their marginal utility and just pick whatever they just settle with whatever they, they can get yeah. but it is a hard decision to, to to now finally negotiate life with someone because you've been lied to so many times you've been betrayed you know you've been slandered so many things have happened with all these people and you are so skeptical you are cynical of life and that takes away the naiveness about love L- love is like two fools living together and trying to negotiate life 
Now, when two cynical and skeptical people are together, everyone is suspicious of the other. Everyone has been hurt. Everyone has all this baggage. No one trusts the other. You get? But I told you, women promise us the promise of monogamy, the promise of sexual exclusivity. Yeah. And we promise to take care of them and the children for the rest of their life. That's why, even if you don't want to keep the end of the world, if you, your wife divorced you, she will take 50% of your net worth and she will take your children and you have to pay child support too. Because that is the promise we make to women when we are trying to have them, you know, married to us. So, and women are born with their value. Yeah. A woman just has to exist. Be beautiful, have all these nice values and a great guy is going to marry you. If, 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 it's, if there is one, as a man, you have to create your own value, man. I agree. You have to work, you have to go through so much. So, the only thing that women trade with us is their value. And that, where, is their value? where is that value? Mark, okay, maybe to some average guy, yeah. a financially stable woman who has had many sexual partners is of value to them. And they are okay with it. I hear these days there are men who marry sex workers. You get? Maybe there are some men like that. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not think there should be a problem with marrying a sex worker. Yeah, I, I, and I, I'm not going to say there is. But, you know... The, the, uh, I mean, and Kanye West married a porn star. Me? Kanye West. Yeah, yeah. So, the, but, but, not, to be a but how did it turn out? Very, okay, well, they're divorced, but I'm saying, I mean, look at um, Kim Kardashian's status in the world. Mm. Yeah, look, look, transition on on, she could still be a porn star, I don't know, she could still run an OnlyFans, but her position is, well, she's a trendsetter, she has a lot of mm. people looking up look, to her look. lifestyle, she has a trillion of eyeballs around her, right? Look, I agree, I agree mm. with all that, you know, I agree with all that, like I said, right now, we live in a world with so many ideas in a conflict with one another, and I'm not trying to make a point here. That my world view yeah, is is bit. what the world you know should be predicated on. Like I told you, I made it clear here. That's because I'm giving opinion that my world view is a Christian world view. Mm. That doesn't mean that it is it encompasses everything or every angle to life. No, there's so many things that the Christian world view is very ignorant or oblivious about yeah. in life. But the point I'm making is, well, there are men out there that find that interesting. They can marry a woman who has had multiple partners as long as she's a billionaire. They can, you, you get. But also there are guys like me who be intimidated by such a woman. You get. You be like, ah, that's a lot of experience to take on. I can't deal. You get. There are guys like me who would be intimidated by the idea of sharing a woman. Mm. You know, like I don't want to share my woman. I am very jealousy. I love too much. I go all in, right? And when I go all in and I love too much, the last thing I really want to hear is that, I'm, because your woman is not just someone you're having sex with, Mark. It's someone who knows you at your weakest. Yeah. It's someone you go to bed with, you're naked with this person in bed. Is your confidant, is your, is your representation to the world there. You get this is the person who is more closest to you. If your enemies wanted to kill you and you're smart, they can, your woman is one they can go through to get to you. 
Most people have been murdered like that. So for me, that's the value I attach to my woman. Mm. So I do not think that I would have the confidence to trust a woman that has had, you know, very high bodies. You know, I wouldn't. Just like I wouldn't trust myself. Literally, I, I told you earlier that I have to choose my wife every single day. Because here's the, here's the problem to life, Mark. As you start to succeed as a young man, your pool of, the pool of women who you have access to increases. Because your leverage increases. As you're trying to accrue some wealth, you, you, you are a high-status man. And women start to see you. You know, chicks start to see you. And you have what they're looking for. Let's say you have it, right? So your pool increases. It's why you need to integrate yourself so early. Such that by the time you get there, you have all this wealth. You've been able to overcome yourself. You need to be able to subdue your adolescent fantasy as a man. Because if you cannot subdue that... You are uncontrollable. You can't even you 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 can lose control of yourself, and it's not that there are no consequences to that. You can have as many chicks as you want, but well, you may father as many children. I love children, but I don't want people who are fathering children they can't take care of. That's one thing. Mm. You may end up with infections, you know, diseases, whatever. Right? There's that too, but also you may end up with wounds. You may. So, for me. I'm not trying to say, hey, you know, don't do all these things. I'm just trying to, to, to kind of, you know, bring back this kind of old reality that is no longer popular today. Because when you, this conversation here, uh, it throws off so many people because when you remind us that are religious, they push it like it's some stated facts yeah, mm. that they're telling you. But also when you find those that are not, they also push it their way. For me, I don't. Personally, my reasons are not predicated on a... In a, a I, I don't live in the duality. In, in some cases, I do. But in most cases, I judge incidences separately, depending on the amount of information I have, the facts, the impact, the consequences of, of, of what the would-be outcome. So, do, do I love sexual exclusivity from my wife? Yes. It is the only thing actually I want from her. You get. When I when I first moved to the US, I was not working. She was the one working. I would be so crushed. You know, you know what it means when you have to just stay home, maybe do a few things here and then your man has to wake up to go and provide for you. I, I hated it. Because that's not me. I show my love by by going and working and providing for her. When I started making some money, I told her, you know, babe. Let me take care of this. You get. I would want you to focus on becoming the best version of you. You know. I encourage that into some of the things that she has already wanted to do. Because why? I want my wife to be happy. I want her to be fulfilled. I want her to go after all the dreams that she has. And what those dreams is not providing for me. You get. That's, that, that's me. So. What do I want from that? These, these are clear things that you make clear with your woman because the problem is that so many average people are dating average people. And average people don't be honest with each other. They lie to each other. Some guy is average. He's worried that when he speaks his truth to this girl, this girl is going to bail. Also, this girl has a lot of skeletons in the closet 
they think that when I tell the truth to this guy, this guy is going to, to bail. And I think it's the reason why relationships are not working out. Even marriages, it's two junked people coming together and creating junk. And then eventually everyone gets out of the junk and they move on. Mark, we live in a broken world. We are all broken in one way or the other. That's true. The, 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 the meaning I was talking about earlier is you can only find meaning if you embrace the fact that we live in a broken world, we are all hurting in some way, and then we try to do things that make us whole again. Because if something is broken, it means it can be mended and put back together. Mm. You get? And I'm not trying to say that when women have so much for men, they cannot eventually turn into, you know, make, you know, great wives. Maybe they do. The chances are, though, that they may not. The chances are is that the past is going to haunt them. Trauma is good for men. Trauma makes men strong. Men who have not gone through anything make the worst terrible people on earth. Look at people, privilege. You mentioned privilege earlier. People who've been born with privilege are blind to it. I don't consider myself a, 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 a person who has been born with privilege. Mark, I come from a very humble background. My brother, I come from a very humble background. I know what it means to be poor. I know what it means to lack. I told you a little bit of me and how my parents were able to put us through school. My dad is a reverend. Yeah. You think that Christmas is one of the biggest holidays where they're supposed to be making some money. I cannot tell you the number of Christmases that we could not even afford buying meat at home. And we that, that first go to church, preach, whatever, and then get some money from there at the end of the service. And then in the evening, we run to the market to buy some meat when everyone has bought. And then we'll be able to have some meat at home. That's where I come from. So trauma makes people strong. Okay, it, it can destroy you. Because when, what, what trauma means is that you come to the end of your knowledge. When you come to the end of your knowledge, you freeze. So trauma can destroy you if you freeze. But when you come to your end of your knowledge, and you they said, despite of this, I will sojourn into the journey of the unknown. Well, you come back as who you were before you ascended down there, but even a more better person. So men who go through stuff, it's not like they don't get hurt in the process. You get hurt, but you get fortified also. When you've gone through poverty and you come out of it, you come, through, you come out a man who has gone through poverty and overcome, overcame it. So, so, so you look at life differently. You get? You. So, so it's, it's the point I'm trying to make here. The point is that we live in a broken world. Mm -hmm. you, can only argue, uh, you can only argue on that at your own peril. You can say, oh, this is illusion. You can say, oh, this, you know. We live in a broken world. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering. Life is suffering. Life is misery. That is the definition of life. But, despite of all the suffering, you can orient yourself in a direction that justifies the pain that comes with being. The pain that comes with your existence can only be justified by doing some things, by getting, you know, holding on to things that are bigger than you. And those things can take on so many forms. Yeah. So, do, we, do men, when go back to men and women, you know, situation where we spend more time, yes, for me, I would prefer sexual exclusivity from my wife. And I am really glad I met the person I met. Because the other, one other thing that is so funny 
if you look in history, women were never afraid of sharing successful men. That's why kings had many women, even in the Bible. Warriors had many women. When men went to battles to fight, when they came back from fighting and the spoils of war, they would treat themselves, you know, to many women. Now you may say that's the patriarchy, you know, society where men were always oppressing, you know, women. That is a point only a stupid person makes. This whole idea of patriarchy, whatever, that is stupidity. That is a lie. You want to convince the world that men have always been existing to oppress women? Men have gone to the war to fight and protect their women and children. Are you okay? Are you thinking? Yes, things have always not been okay. The history has not been good to, to all of us. Men have had to lose their lives on battle. Women have had to stay home and suffer with children and deal with all the consequences that come with raising children. Yes, but that is our history. There's nothing good back there. What is the alternative? People who argue on, on those lines of patriarchy and that type of, you know, nonsense. I'm like, well, you're sounding very dumb. Okay. What we have today is the best civilization has been able to make. We come from a very terrible dark, dark past. Today in America, the West is, is so, so polarized with, you know, racism this, racism that. Literally, today in America, yeah. people see racism in everything. I understand the terrible history of black people being sold and, and working as slaves, you know, and, and all the things that happened to them. Have you experienced racism, Joe? I'm lucky I have not. Maybe I have, but I can't tell. States and you have not experienced. I've not, and I live in one of the most. I live in a conservative part, and they normally I choose. I remember my friend Martin hmm. when he went to uh, Jumia was uh, being listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Yes. So he had to fly out to. But of course, we missed that moment. Yes. He went alone, right? Technically, we traveled, but I did not go. Hmm. So, but. When he tells me his experience, mm -hmm. in a trip we glorified so much. Also, uh, this was his first trip to Europe, right? Mm. USA. Imagine you just get mm -hmm. the USA visa just from one. How much happiness that can bring you? And then you but his experience was terrible. terrible. Mm -hmm. Well, Mark, good people are good people anywhere. And bad people are bad people anywhere. That exists even here in Uganda. Yeah, even here. There's exactly. So, so your experience so, could actually me, be in comparison of here yeah, and there. Yeah, but for me, yeah. I want to speak about me. I'm not trying to say racism doesn't exist. Yeah. Otherwise, that would be stupid to say. Mm -hmm, I agree. The, the, the point I'm trying to make here mm. is that, well, bad people are bad people, regardless of where you find them. You get? Yeah. But also... When your mind is not focused on some things, you see, you may not know this, Mark, but human beings are some of the most blind creatures. We can only see things we focus on. You see, right now, you can only see me. You cannot see what is in that corner unless you choose to, to look there. We see what we focus on. If you focus on those isisms, right, you see them. Those things make us humans. We are human beings. We have our own prejudices. Yeah. Let me tell you. It, it's called, over here we call it tribalism. Over there it's called racism. It's just different. Something different names. Are they different? Well, it's the same thing. Different White, black, names. you think that's like a tribe culture that side? Well, racism is what you descend into. 
when you get into group think when you become into an identity when, when identity when identity overwhelms your reason mm. you become racist so you become a tribalist you only relate with the people you identify with and you isolate everyone you don't identify mm. with mm. that can be on basis of skin that can be on basis of so many other things mm. that happens here too you know, get here there's so much tribalism here. so exactly so we cannot use the word racism here because we have more black people than we have white people you get over there you're going to use the word racism because there are more white people there than you have black people mm -hmm. but also the, the, the world we are trying to construct in the elite circles is a utopia that doesn't exist people have their own prejudices i don't know if this makes me racist mark but when i meet a black person in the u.s immediately i feel like i'm connected to this person you get my wife knows yeah, because this. because the white people around you are not as welcoming so you would feel the connection actually so that's entirely wrong I, I cannot even say that i don't even fathom that and you know i've been to the u i've been to 38 states in the, in, in the u.s i have lived in purely white neighborhoods i live i'm a blessed man mark yeah i live in yeah. a very upper middle class white neighborhood i've not seen any racism in that neighborhood i interact with my neighbors they are all nice people some of these bad habits are associated with people who are going through really terrible things you see mark people treat other people the way they feel about themselves yeah. that's how we treat people we treat people depending on how we feel about ourselves people who uh, propagate racism actually they're in a more pathetic situation that what they do to other people if they do it is just a manifestation they have, they have these focused emotions that they've been suppressing and then they try to you see a mistake you should never do mark is to suppress a focused emotion when you suppress a focused emotion it comes out either way in a very unfocused way emotions were meant to be expressed now, when you create a society where people can't have their own prejudices, where people are treated with different standards, people are emotional creatures. There's all these feelings that build up, you know, in, in, in people's systems. And you know what? I, like it or not, at some point, these emotions are going to manifest. Yeah. Now, you may say racism is you know, a white man thing. You've not been in black communities, have you? Oh, Actually, yeah, I have received... In, in, black in, 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 in the, the US, US. Yeah. I have received actually a little bit of hate from black people in the, in, in the US because I married a white girl than I've received from white people. Yeah, because it, it, it channels back to not just your happiness as Joel. Yeah? Your decision to marry a white woman mm. is one you've made because you're happy, one you're sure of. But the signaling the black person is trying to show you in this case is you have considered them over us exactly exactly and that is racism what you just described right there is racism you can't be racist if you're black who says that because then what history do you dictates that that you can't be racist when you're black yeah, because the, 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 you, you the white man was never a slave to, to the black man apart from maybe idi amin the great do you know that black kings also had slaves 
did they who are white slaves no we didn't have white slaves because we could wouldn't afford them look this is how i look at slavery yeah. you know slavery there was a time in world history when it was a booming business yeah. and people were trying to make money so they needed labor and they would go buy other people and have them provide labor for them it was a business that involved black people selling their other black people to white people were willing to buy that was how slave trade works actually black people here in africa with the help of white people and gunpowder mm-hmm. rounded off fellow black people and traded them off for gifts and whatever they got from these white people mm. actually there is no black person recorded in history that fought slavery they gained from it those who remained here those who had were in places of authority because mm. they sold the peasants and the poor people off in uk that's why the ending of slavery started in the uk in, in in the commonwealth in the uk the uk started to sabotage ships that were carrying slaves across the the, the indian ocean mm. and sending them back to africa literally but not because you know and these are hundreds of years of like we are doing this at a certain point just like we were kids there are things we used to do when we were kids and then we grew up and we outgrew those things i feel like there's a there was a part in human history when slavery was not an immoral thing it's recorded in the bible literally it's recorded in the bible which is a book and and actually it's even worse people like to talk about white people and slavery they don't talk about muslims and slavery arabs were the first people to arrive here on, on, on in africa they arrived asians. yeah asian yeah. asians they yeah. arrived hundreds of years before white people uh, caucasians arrived here they took slaves too mm. there is no big significant population of black people in the middle east do you know why do you know why no it's because they were killed okay they were killed literally killed they took slaves too and they literally killed them. now you can find black people in all other parts of the world why is that because yes they were taken as slaves some were killed but no one got guns to try and finish an entire race literally we had two groups of people caucasians shoot each other to try and end slave trade in 1860 the american civil war the, the, uh, the united states of america almost separated into two the confederates from the uh, the north states lincoln had to galvanize the army to gun fight these people so when you go back to this racism thing i live in a purely white country and maybe racism is there maybe but maybe i can't maybe i don't identify it maybe i'm blinded by what you may call privilege yeah. right but here's what i'm going to tell you i am aware of the brokenness of this world so i am not moved by what people do i am more interested in why people do what they do you see mark if you're going to live your life worried and all focused and parent about what people are doing yeah were you missing the mark that is a sin for me i define sin as missing the mark 
missing an ideal. The thing is that you can't solve a problem by only reacting to what people are doing. You are missing it. You need to look at why people do what they do. Any ideology that organizes people on identity, you know, pits group, several groups of people against each other. Do you know what happens? We, there are limited resources on earth. We are all trying to fight for these resources. We all know that without these resources, our race or my race or my family cannot survive. survive. So everyone is doing whatever they can to gather as much as they can. That is the real life. So instead of creating victims in every circumstances, mm. you can let people know that life is suffering and brokenness and all these things and the world owes you no shit. You think America owes you good treatment because you went there? Okay. If you think you are as important as you think you are, why didn't you list your company in your own country? Because you needed the female. You needed it. Here's the thing. I'm not trying to say, I'm, I'm not trying to justify the horrible treatment your friend received. But I'm trying to say, that's how life works. There is no place out there where everything has been done for you. That's, in, that's just a utopia of the elite. There's no place there in the world that is going to receive you and give you everything. And you, know, you get what I mean? I, I hear you. This is man eats There's man. No lining. Regular. This is dog eats dog fight. We're all trying to gather something. That world only exists in a figment of an imagination. For me, that's why I tell people, okay, well, shit happened to you. Yes. You can't undo it. This happened to you, but, well, do you know what, do you know what beats whatever happened to you? Is the spite of what happened to you mm. rising out and overcoming that and towering over it. That is the mark of a man. You want not the measure of a man? It's not money. It's not women you're sleeping with. It is the things you've been able to accomplish, the battles you've been able to win. A man who didn't fight any battles is but just a man child. You see them, look at Uganda and Twitter, you will see them. There are people who come from families of privilege that have grown up with everything available to them. But then you read their tweets and like, what excuse that this guy has for being stupid? And I'll tell you the answer. Is that this person, their parents are to blame. Mark, even in raising your own children, a good mother fails. A mother who only carries their child on their body. Are you going to carry a man of 52 when you don't teach him how to walk? Yeah. So a good mother fails willingly such that their child can rise up to the occasion and confront life. That is the story of life. Unless you know any other story that that was that one. But a good mother willingly fails. A mother who overly protects her children against the realities of life only raises infanticized adults. Those are the people you find on Twitter, triggered, smile, what? Those are the type of people. That's why there's a lot of vitriol on Twitter these days. People get triggered because someone said an opinion they don't agree with. And people are triggered. You are triggered, smile, cyber, cyber protection. I hear these stories and I'm like, wow, what a bunch of kindergarten people. You think social media is a an emotional daycare center? That's not, that's not how the world operates. And these ideas of, you know, creating victims like we started earlier, these ideas are propagated by the elite. 
Women who've stayed in school, they have these master's degrees, and men, they've stayed in school for like 20 years, and they're professors and PhDs, and they were poorly socialized. They, they themselves are adult infants. And they infanticize the children who are in university. You know today in the West, even here, university students ask for safe spaces. Adults are asking for safe spaces. Are you okay? You a terrible joke. You want a safe space? University is a place you go to grow your ideas, to develop the quality of your opinion. You need to be challenged. In fact, you need to be annoyed and triggered. You need to go through the worst because that's how you grow your ideas, man. You, you, you don't go through university eating ice cream and you come out and you think you went to school. You are nothing but an overgrown kid. So you, 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 you simply suggest that a lot of people are delusional. Very, very delusional. I am telling you, the female you and the male political psychopathy is insane. What, 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 what institution to you have figured out what works. I don't, you see, I don't want to say I've figured out what works. That would be too arrogant yeah. to say. But I think that if given two options, to choose between folding and being a victim so I can gather sympathy, you know, and cultivate the trauma economy, you know, instead of that, I would rather want to be the guy that beats all the odds and over towers over all that. Look here, this equality thing, yeah? men and women being equal conversation that we are all the time. Why do you want men and women to be equal? Why do I want my daughter to be equal to some boy I don't even know about? Mark, I want to raise my daughter so that they are top, over the best. I want to raise my son such that he's a giant of a man. Not some guy that is equal to some my, my neighbor's kid. That's not what I want. The whole thing of equality is just pitting people against each other. I don't want a world where people are equal. We can be equal in terms of dignity to human life. Mm -hmm. Where we are not killing each other. We are not just taking others' lives. I love that equality. I would love people to have equal opportunities so they can become the best person they can become. What equality don't you want? I do not like equality of outcome. I don't want my son to look like my neighbor's son. What are you trying to say? That's low resolution thinking. You're really going to raise your child for 18 years so they can turn into your neighbor's kid who's not scoping through the town? Is that what you want? Man, where did you go to school? It's a what the fuck is that? I don't want my daughters to be equal to any daughter. I want my daughters to set their own trend. To send their own trend. So this whole story of equality of this, equality, it's like, what, what are you trying to do? You are lying to people. You, I, I say, people tell young kids, you are okay the way you are. That is the most terrible thing to tell a young person. You tell a younger person that they are okay the way they are. Do you know what you're doing to them? A younger person who doesn't bathe in five days? He's over there in the basement eating Cheetos. You're telling him he's okay the way he is? No, that is bad. You don't tell a younger person they are okay the way they are. You tell a younger person you are actually useless. So you can just demean their energy. You, that's not demeaning their energy. You are telling them the reality. You tell them, actually, you know what? You are useless. 
this is who you are but this is who you could be you don't just end there you don't diminish their energy you don't diminish their dreams you tell younger people you show them who they could be mark there's no there's not there's no energy that's going to drive a young man through life by them trying to go after who they could be they, 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 we can only hope that the future is better than the present. And Mark, you can only be sure of the future. You begin with the future by sacrificing in the present. When you sacrifice in the present, you begin with the future. the future. That's true. As a younger man, you need to tell a younger man to take on some responsibility of things that are better than just him waking up and playing video games. Unless he's making money with it. Yeah, okay. You get and it's just and it's making money with it and it's a career thing because the people who have made millions out of that industry but that can't that can't be the thing a young man is supposed to be out there adventuring learning things helping out in society adding value adding value that's what you tell them you don't tell them they are okay the way they are do you know what it means when someone tells you mark you're my friend i'm not the guy who is going to ever come to enlighten you man and i think you're okay the way you are no to do that i'm going to tell even me i hate someone to come and tell me joel you are okay the way you are yes i've been able to i've been able to overcome some things i've been able yes i can say that going with my age mm. and with where i come from well i consider myself an overachiever and some people may say may, may think okay that's a very big statement to make but they don't know where i come from so i consider myself someone who has achieved something but if you came to me and you told me i am okay the way I am, that is actually you taking my soul, my drive out of me. So life is broken, life is suffering, my friend. So the only way you can justify that suffering and you don't kill yourself and you don't kill other people is if you know that, okay, despite of all this pain, mm. there is something out there I can become. I can become something. Without that, do you know what you have? You have man in his male nature, the violent one, the manipulative one. Those are the guys who get an iron band kill you when you're coming from uh, wherever you're coming from. Those are the guy because he's, he's an animal. He wants to take whatever he can get. Those are the kind of people. So, me, me, the, most of these ideas, and you see Africans need to understand the difference between either human rights or civilization and western culture because i feel like africans can't draw the line i think that's where you bring in this whole thing of globalization right exactly so it comes yeah there's increased trade of course like you can make money because of like you explained being who you are mm -hmm. but it comes at the cost of the exchange of culture mm -hmm. you have to zero down and kill for globalization to prosper mm -hmm. you may you may argue like that so for you what do you think about that exchange well there are good things you get we get out of globalization look at me here i now live in the u.s if it was not for globalization i would not be able to live there i've, I've thrived there so many people struggle with life i have not my life is okay mm. do you think just before we go back into the globalization mm. do you think being a ugandan 
when you live in the US, your life becomes better. Compared to what? Compared to living here. Yes, but depends on what metrics you are using. You see, Mark, um, there are people who are living extremely better lives here than people in the US. And they live in Uganda. And there's no reason for them to even to move. move. You get. But if you're looking at you know the quality of life, you know, social services, you know, you're looking at um living in a community where at least there's respect for human life. You know, living in the systems that are functional. Where someone shows up at your dam, you call police and they show up in two minutes. Where a portfolio will come up at the front of your house and tomorrow you won't find it. I've seen lots of portfolios in Paris. Well, I don't know about Paris. I live in the USA. Okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah, I don't yeah. want to comment about Paris. I agree. I agree. We also have some non-anatomacked roads in the country, in the US. But the point is, compared to what we have here, I would settle with what we have in the West. Mm. Now, there's a trade-off. I miss the Africaniste. I miss this culture. We are warm with each other. We know with each other. You know, like, how easily we get into conversations with that in Africa. I miss that. Because in Africa, in the US, like, like I said earlier, life is very particular and individual. And it's just not who I am. I'm a very conversational person, you know. So I miss that. But it's a, it's a small price to pay for raising my children in a place where I know when they are sick, they will get the best medical care possible. They will not be declared dead until all possible alternatives uh. have been exhausted. You know, I would settle for that. I would set up a place where I live. I know my, you know, my woman, if she went jogging, you know, they're not a group of guys waiting in the corner. And there are also some communities like that in the U.S., you know, where there's crime and all that. We are a country of 320 million people. So there's also crime in big cities because of cultures. Different cultures clash, you know, when you put people together. It's like a melting pot. But compared to what we have here, I, I would rather have that. Also, the access to resources and finances. And also to, feel in a, to live in a place where you feel like, you know, I am valued. This is the only country where doctors are making 500 US dollars a month. Do you know what it means? A guy goes to school for like over 20 years to be, and then he becomes a doctor and is making 2-3 million. You may argue that the cost of living and what? Man, come on. The world has become almost the same village. You get. So in terms of appreciation, at least the West, yes, they overwork you. The system, you know, it's capitalistic. Mm -hmm. You have to work for whatever. But man, the appreciation is worth it. You have access to resources. You can easily create wealth. It depends where you are, which people have you surrounded yourself with. That's, that's the racism thing I told you about. There are people in America who see racism in everything. And what sometimes what they call racism, I don't call racism. Yeah. Because I've grown up in Africa, where tribes, many different tribes, coexist with each other, and I've seen some of these things. The same things I see here, I see them there. And some people call that racism. I know it's the same thing as tribalism, because these are white Caucasian people. I, and we have, you know, there's black people, these are Hispanics, yeah. these are Asians. It what happens when different people from different cultures come together. It, there's no... It, there's no place in history where we've all existed together and everything was fine. We are only trying to negotiate what, our, what the future should look yeah, like. Yeah. There's a time when you would not marry a white girl. If a boy, a black boy slept with a white woman, they will be killed. It's taboo. Even here in Africa, up to 1994 in South Africa, 
upper thigh. Yeah, we still actually have tribes that exactly. Like so, so I don't want us to be pretending like, oh, okay, yeah, racism, this racism, that. Okay, well, 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 in comparison to what, it is in this country and in this continent where a, a, an opposition leader gets beaten to pulp. I don't want to live in a place like that. I don't want to raise my children telling them, well, that guy was being a presidential candidate. Look what happened to him. He so got beaten to pulp. Second. So then you you tell your children that they can't be. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I told you I don't like this equality thing. I am not trying to raise my kids. So they are you for some kids. I have sacrificed so much. Okay. I have had to let go of so many things that actually were much fun. I told you, men in our male creature, we would want to have as many women as we want. We would want to drive as many cars as we want. You know, all these things. I have sacrificed all that. I said, you know what, let me marry this woman. Let me try to create a life with this woman. For a woman to choose one woman, you are sacrificing all the other women for this woman. You, you get. You're saying, okay, let me let you go my tether. Settle with you. We build a life. Now, sometimes men step out and, you know, have side chicks here and there. Mm -hmm. But that's not what you promised to this woman. You promised this woman that you're going to be her man. That's a sacrifice. It's a promise. It's why we make a vows for it. Yeah. It's not a given. It's a bigger thing. So, but I don't want to raise children who have to just watch over their shoulders just because they don't believe in a certain political thing. Or, you know what I mean? Mm. So when comparison to that, the West towers over us. But there are some things in the West that again, I'm like, man... What is that? There's so many things that have come in, you know, with you know, sexual minorities and so many things that have come in that I, I completely disagree with. You know, there's so many things that happen there. But it's a small price to pay for the greater good. So what, what, is, the, what is the hack then? I want to work hard, be a successful man. I'm going to homeschool my kids, Mark. My wife was homeschooled through college. Mm. She's going to homeschool my kids. Right now, my wife is doing her, you know, she's back in school. She's studying education. And the reason she's doing that is because I wanted her to have a more nuanced view. That is not just, you know, hardline conservative, you know, homeschool view. I, I, I thought it would be good if she had a more nuanced view, you know, of education and of, you know, wild cultures. Because I'm black yeah. and she's white and my kids are going to be both. So she, she, I decided, I, I suggested and she bought my idea immediately. I said, okay, you know, Jen, maybe go back to school a bit. And, you know, it will help you when you're when homeschooling, homeschooling our kids. But also when we get to travel to the other parts of the world, mm. you get to understand all these other cultures so you don't get culture shocked. We know how to get our kids through life. I'm homeschooling my kids. Now, is it cheap? No. Because you are sacrificing another income. If I was not homeschooling my kids, well... They'll be in public school or whatever. My wife will be working. I'll be working. will be making more money. But is more money more important than raising stable, emotionally loved and proper children? No. For me, no. Am I in the position to make more money that is enough for us? Thank God I am. I am able. I've been lucky. I have great health. I am young. I have a lot of life ahead of me. I am surrounded by wonderful people. 
I have access to things that so many people don't have access to. Mm-hmm. So yes, I, why would I not use then that? Use that, and and have my wife also indulge herself in the things that she would enjoy. This mm-hmm. not me. Reta- this not me taking away her rights to work. My wife doesn't like that. I mean, she she can work because she was taught how to work. But she's not a career woman. She doesn't want that. So, anyway, to circle back a bit, yeah. we need to tell people the truth, Mark. I feel like some of these things have become controversial, but they're not supposed to be controversial. We've tried to take a nuance out of conversation. Because we, we want to lie to each other. You get We want to create a world that doesn't exist. We've tried to trash everything that has brought us thus far. And we're trying to exchange it with ideas that have not been tested. Well, you said the patriarchy is bad. The patriarchy built all the roads. It built all the homes. The patriarchy created the birth control bill. The patriarchy built all the washing machines and dishwashers and laundry machines so that women don't have to be stuck at home. Let me tell you. Women want to sleep with multiple partners these days. They call it sex freedom. Hmm? That is the freedom dr- of their bodies. Exactly. That is the in control. Of that bodies. is the dream of every adolescent boy. Actually, it's a trap. I feel like boys are manipulating women into the, into this thing. Listen, as a boy, you would want as many chicks to sleep with you and not to get attached to you and move on to the next one. That's an answered prayer to any boy, any male creature. That's an answered prayer. We try to make women get to that level so much and they took forever to get there. You know what? They are finally catching up. <laughs> Open relationships work for us. We don't take the, the, the negative burden or the consequences of sex. Well, apart from getting sick. Yeah. We don't bear children in our wombs. A child is a life-changing thing that can happen to a woman. Women suffer more. They carry the biggest burden of the, of the, of the of procreation. Mm. But we've been wanting them to get to a level where we could just get laid and they move on. I'm telling you. So when women say that they're having freedom, they're being liberated. No! You are literally playing into the delusion of an adolescent male. I don't see that as liberation. I don't see it because these same guys who you're sleeping with, when they end up successful and they have the means, you are not the type of girl they want. Don't you see it? Look around. Girl, guys have, you know, they would like to have as much sex as we want with these chicks. But successful men still sleep with models who are popular. Yes, they do all that. Mm. But who is at home raising their children? So, what's the take here? Someone who stays at home to raise your children or someone you show to the public and you have fun with? Well, you can still have fun and show to the public the person who is raising your children. You don't, you don't necessarily have to... Um, and, and like I said, there's no one who fits all. People are different. True. There are people who are about that life and they are okay. But, but... And I quote, what 
we are telling women today and girls today, I feel like we are lying to them. There's something we are doing to boys. I feel like we are no longer telling people the truth. You get? Mm. Some truths are very uncomfortable, Mark. But at least you are better off knowing them. Knowing the consequences of what awaits you. It doesn't make you a weak person. It makes you a prepared person. person. It makes you a prepared person. So, we don't tell people the truth anymore. We just lie to them. We tell them, we promise them a world that doesn't exist. We tell them of a world where women are leaders of the world or whatever. Unless we don't believe in science and evolution that, that argues that we came from animals, monkeys, in the forest and all these things. If we don't believe in that science, then we can lie to women. But when, it came, when push comes to shove, I do not see a world where women can dominate men. Because when, for us men, when logic fails, violence is what we resort to. The only thing actually for men, the only thing that keeps stability among men is the highest possibility for violence. Do you know the reason why you don't want to sleep with a married man's wife? It's because you know a man will shoot you. He will kill you. We know that. We know for sure that for us as men, we have a smaller window of logic when it comes to some things. And the possibility of violence enforces peace. The reason why America is not fighting in Russia is giving Ukraine weapons and that is because they know if they fought in, in Russia, Russia would respond with nuclear weapons. <laughs> That's what happens. And we have nuclear weapons too. We can actually erase Russia yeah. off the world map if we wanted. Or maybe not. May, or maybe not. You know, you can never be so sure about the war. Yeah, because America has oversold that dream. Yeah, you know, you, I agree. I agree. And actually right now, America is so divided. Exactly. There are so many people that would choose Russia's side over, over these uh, neocons. Yeah, so easily. It's like Uganda already chose. Exactly. Yeah. So, but, we, I think people need to know the truth. These new ideas we are propagating, they're not entirely bad. Some of them are bathed out of good faith by college kids who have this messianic impulse to save the world. I, I use the same allegory for, you know, climate change. You find these kids holding signposts. I am against um, whatever. Carbon emission. A carbon emission. Stop ECOP. And I'm like, yeah, you really think you're doing something by standing on the road and saying stop ECOP? You think you are fighting climate change by doing that? How about you wake up and go to your village and plant trees? Don't you think that is a better way to fight climate change than shouting? I agree. You know, I mean, like, in the quest of shouting, you have to spread the awareness of the message that, yo, look what is happening to the earth. You, you really, think, they, you really think there's any serious awareness coming out of that? That is virtue signaling, Mark. Well, look at, who's that chick that Mark. got Andrew Tate arrested? Ah, come on. Well, Greta? Yeah, this autistic chick that's being taken advantage of by narcissistic parents who parade her before cameras and with the global elite to make her the face of a movement? Vanessa Nakata? Is that what? This is the Ugandan. It's the same thing. What has she done? She's known, I mean, all, she's... Over, she's known all over the world. I agree. Maybe she has won you know, the attention of the world. And I'm not trying to downplay her. But you, I... But you're trying to downplay the, the cause. Exactly. No, no, no. The cause may be valid. And maybe there's climate change going on and the world will come to an end, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it is true. But that is an assumption that human beings are very dumb. But let me tell you, women being, human beings have proved not to be dumb. 
there are so many things that would have killed us already. But we've evolved over and over again by things that we've gone through mm. and we have succeeded. Even with climatic change, if you assume that human beings are dumb, then maybe it's doomsday and we are going to die next year on Sunday. Yeah. Maybe that's your, your idea. But if you're going to be the agent of change, if you really want to inspire me, a guy like me, you better not show up as a terrified, frozen, narcissistic kid who is opionated by ideas you can't explain and you want to think that you're going to change how I look at life. If you want to inspire someone like me to change, well, you don't go about it like that. Do you want climate change to take on, you know, to take form? Address world poverty. Research is there. When people start feeling good about themselves, they start to pick interest in the environment. You get that? But you don't, you don't succeed with climate change by making the world more poorer. Mm -hmm. Today, there's a whole narrative of rich people are doing this. It's like it's bad to be a rich person today. And a rich person is a, is a thief who is stealing from all the masses. Yeah. Well, that's not how you change the world. There's a lot of exploitation. You don't change the world as a terrified tyrant. The same thing happens to opposition politics in this country. If you want to convince me that Museven has gone astral, which I already know, if you really want to convince me that the current regime has not lived to our expectations, I already see these things. I see potholes, I see traffic jam, I see poor roads. I see these things. Well, don't present yourself as a terrified tyrant. Don't present yourself like that. Don't, you must give me hope. Yeah. Mark, a message of hope wins more hearts than a message that takes away even the, the little hope. If opposition leaders knew that, look at this government today that, in power, that is in power, and I'm sorry to become political on your podcast. No, it's cool. The only way they came into power is they didn't just become terrified. They believed in themselves. They went wherever they went, fought whatever. But they gave people hope that if the people fall in line and go behind them, they will redeem this country from whoever was there and they will give them a prosperous and good place to live. Now, you may say they've not lived up to all the expectations, but they had a mission to, to you know, to stand on, eh? mm -hmm. and they did, and people supported them. This country has never been unified together in fighting like these guys were able to mobilize it. Literally, the president, when he came into power, people trusted him that they gave him a blank check for like 10 years. He didn't have the constitution, he didn't have nothing. He had to rewrite this country according to his vision. Mm -hmm. That's how much people believed in him. Well, you don't get people to believe in you by terrifying them, by scaring them. That's why people are falling out of love with the people in this regime. It's because people are terrified of their leaders. But also you look on the other side, the alternatives. Mm -hmm. There's no message of hope. What message of hope would you want the opposition to spread? Well, What kind of message? Because I feel like that's all that. Look, we currently, the, the guy um, championing opposition. Yeah, Robert. Yeah, very, very a very accomplished guy. man. Very relatable. Yes. Yeah. Yes. To, to to the issues of yes we have. We yes. Face. He is a complete version of what you'd call a Ugandan. Yes. So, 
I want to believe that the values he stands for. Yes, current message he likes to spread. Yes, is exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. Like I just have to believe in him because of just that. And this is not something he has done just politically. Yeah, this it is, is his life. Him. It, is yes, his it life. is. Look, look here. Robert is an exception to the rule. No, no, no disrespect to Chiza Vesija. I still believe uh, yeah, 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 Maybe I do, but position. I don't know Vesija, you know, that I think much. It's tough. You know, I think yeah. I worked for him. Yeah. I know his values. I feel like he's... Uh, for me personally, I, I don't rely on your podcast. These things, you know, it's going to be out there. Yeah. I don't think I know him. I know, you know, Vesija that well. But you've seen his campaign. But at you've least I have seen Robert. I have grown up with Robert on screen. I have watched him. I watched a young man who accomplished so much at such a young age. I may say, I have tried to do the same, but not at his level. Mm-hmm. You get? Mm-hmm. At 23, this man was a whole lot of a man. Mm-hmm. You get? And he defied many odds to become who he is. So a lot of respect to him. But, but, I personally feel like Robert would still serve this country in a very higher match capacity, Right? If he stood by, he still stands and does the things that he was doing even before he became the leading opposition figure. And those are the things. There's a time there. in this in this country where Robert was drilling water wells, you know, in different places. He took clean water. I remember that campaign. I remember the campaign where he made the concert. He did the campaign also on HIV. Exactly. I Let me tell you, condoms. if Robert, if Robert's message goes back to that. It is still that. But listen, first listen, first listen. Okay. G- just give me a chance to, me to, to, to make this point through. I'm, I'm not trying to take her away from what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. I, those who know me know I am pro-Robert. They know that. Even my friends who work with government, whatever, they know. You know, I, I am not afraid to critique the government. I'm not afraid to critique Robert. Because you know what? I, I know you cannot write out Robert from the history and the future of this country. Mm-hmm. You cannot. But I feel like the politics, the state of politics as it is in this country, kind of distracted Robert from the bigger picture. Yeah. Because let me tell you, if Robert, how I many three million people voted for Robert? If three million people who voted for Robert, each one of them planted a tree, that would be three million trees. There is no better message to, for climate change than that one. Mm-hmm. If three million people who voted for Robert showed up and donated blood, if they believe him as their leader, and you tell them, let us donate blood, and three million people donated the blood, how would that drastically impact their lives? Well, it does, because if there's enough blood in the blood bank... With bad institutions? So there'll be corruption at the blood bank. So here's the thing. We have bad institutions. Mm. And, and, and there's, there's so much Robert can do, there's so much he cannot do. In the states where he is. I feel but, like, yeah, in the state where he is, there's yeah. so much he can't do. Yeah. But <clears throat> if we voted him into power, maybe he could do so. Well, yes. I'm not, look here. That's the faith we have, right? Look, I do hope that if one day he makes it there, he can still implement these ideas that he had. Mm. But I feel like... The politicking, the state of politics that it is in Uganda slowed him on who he was trying to become. Me, when I look at Robert of 2007, 2017, is that when he became a member of parliament? Mm. Even the one before that, 
If I look at that Robert then and the Robert today, you get, I am so much in love with the other Robert. Because the other Robert did not, was not, I'm not going to say bickering. Yes, you can say he was cheated out of an election. You can argue that mm -hmm. if you have the numbers to, you know, to back that. That has been the narrative that, you know, the opposition already says they rigged an election. And we all know what happens in this country during elections. You know, it's not the best. It's just a, a ceremony. It's not an election, yeah. right? But you can also argue that, well, Robert has the influence he has the hearts and minds of the younger generation. If he champions these things and he just focuses on that, that would be ground enough for us to see him do things and do them. And there is no better way to raise people to support you than people who see... Because most people who, who, who cast a shadow of doubt on him, they'd be like, okay, he's a good man. You know, he's a, he has done all this. But what does he know about doing so and so and so and so? Now, for me, I want, I would hope that instead of back and forth exchanges, you know, with the first son, you know, back and forth jobs here and there, you know, and, and he's an activist. He's an activist. He believes he in human rights. Out. Is it? The issues. Like the back yeah. and forth. You know, you, it's unavoidable yeah. when you have a first son. Exactly. Like I, and I'm not trying to say you should not do it. But me, me as me as Joe, eh? That, that young man doesn't just represent himself. That young man represents all of us who have gone through the hardest things. And this is what all of us feel about. And rose to the top echelon of life. Yeah. You get his story. Man, if you're not inspired by that guy's story, you have a, a very big problem. I agree. Actually, if I was the president of this country, and, and, it's, and it's my frustration even with Mr. Museveni, is if I was the president of Museveni, and in my country I had a boy like Robert, who rises up like that and becomes the man he has become? Robert is Museveni's success story. If, 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 if Museveni was still politicking as an intellectual, educated man from Dar es Salaam University, I would adopt Robert as my success story. Yeah. I would not be fighting with the boy. I would not be trying to get kids, throw them in prison. No. I would actually be working with this man because finally... Someone has come on the scene who can galvanize younger people into believing into something. You don't fight that off. You need that as a country. Do you know what you're doing when you're fighting Robert? You know when you're fighting Robert, you, 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 you're kind of discouraging all the younger people that would have wanted to rise up and do something with themselves. So for me, this is my point of disagreement with the government and even with Robert. And also with the state of politics in Uganda, where the opposition cannot have a conversation with the government, or where government can't have a conversation with the opposition without feeling like, oh, he sold out. That is barbaric politics. Well, okay, they've been in power for 40 years. But is it? No, 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 no. first listen this point. Democracy, yeah. One point. Yeah. Yes, they've been in power for over 40 years. Are they not Ugandans? What are you going to do to them when you come into power? Are you going to put them in a bus and send them somewhere? No, but I'm going to do the institutions, right? So we all benefit. Well, those institutions, how are you going to build them? Do you have some people you've printed out in a 3D that you're going to use to build these institutions? Now, here's the thing. I'm going to implement my rules. Well, you can implement them, but with who? All the people you have in this country are a product of a failed education system, 
Look at your quality of legislators. Okay, look at Buganda region. Mm -hmm. We voted overwhelmingly opposition. How has it been so far? Uh, Apart from a few, I can count on my fingernails. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. What's the purpose of the legislators? Well, it's to legislate. How have they failed? What have they legislated? I mean, they put up the rules that we want, the bills that as, we passed here and as over man, there. Who is the one of the opposition people, yeah. the only thing he thinks he's been able to do is to create an anti-homosexuality bill. A law that criminalizes you know, same-sex marriages. Yeah. And uh, they will go to the limit of putting people in prison if they, you know, same-sex people, you know, find sleeping the, the, together. The torture, like there's aggravated torture. If that... your member of parliament, his reasoning is the only way to solve this issue is to legislate it, then... What is the issue You here? have a fool. What is the issue here? These, these are ridiculous, immoral issues. These issues are not because... Pause there. Yes. Uh, let, let me first understand your take now on this. Uh, as someone who rails from the Western culture, mm -hmm. yeah, you are now. You believe, and have made up your mind, and purpose and centered it. That side. You follow beliefs from the West mm. because now you live in the. There's some beliefs I don't follow in the West. <coughs> yeah, but you you pick the yeah. right? Like yes. you can compare. We, I share some started of them. by co comparing cultures, right? Yes, Between here and that side. I share some of them. Most of them. Uh, you also know that um, homosexuality here is the stigma around it is uh, majorly based on the fact that um, we are Christian nation, right? We want to say that. No, because this is what the colonials did, right? They introduced mm -hmm. Christianity and that defines our values. Yes, yes. Back then, yeah? yeah? The Bible we believe in, the Bible most of our people really read, mm -hmm. dictates that man for woman. Yes. But people have come out, uh, not come out, people who can coexist without those beliefs mm -hmm. are still people, right? But we have a culture we follow. Yes. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the information you get. This is why a lot of us are homophobes. Mm -hmm. This is what we know. Like we have been told it's mm -hmm. bad, mm -hmm. regardless of how we feel about it. Yeah, you only only when you get exposed to new information, um, where you have to be very lucky. Yeah, because we're in a world with so much information that we are protected from this information at gets from the society's profile. What do you believe in? So I nothing personal yeah. again is people who like same-sex people, I do not approve of that lifestyle. What, when you say approve, that's such a tough statement, when you say approve. It means that I do not think that it's the natural order of things. And I, I feel, I, I personally think like it's a deviation from what a natural order is now people ask me oh how do you know the natural order whatever yeah. i personally think it's a deviation i think it's i don't call it an anomaly but it's a deviation from what we know from the norm but the truth is if the bible is to be believed no forget the bible in this issue yeah like we don't want to hurt people basically morality is a construct of the bible morality is a product of the judeo-christian worldview so if you're going to take, to talk about evil and good 
you know, repulsive and non-repulsive things. Personally, I do not approve of same-sex or alternative lifestyles. Mm. The only thing I, I grew up knowing, and that's why I said I'm an overly, man overly conservative man in my world view. And are we on? Are okay. Okay, so I'm an over a conservative man, and that means I believe in the idea of man and woman. I believe these alternative lifestyles that are trying to, you know, be normalized and all that, I, I do not approve of them. And however, if you believe in the sanctity of human life, I attach value to human life. The human being, right? I do not believe that when people choose to indulge in things like that, I do not believe we should be having a law where those people are being hanged or whatever. Mm -hmm. Because I still don't believe that it's a natural thing. I feel like it's just homosexuality, all these alternative lifestyles are societal constructs. So they are immoral, that they are moral questions. And they go back to what we used to value back in the past, which was family, that has lost value today. Yeah. So for me, I, I believe in family, God and country. I believe that the only way, the only solution to alternative lifestyles is not trying to, um, to hide the information about them or not even be able to talk about them or even create a law. Because when you do those things, persecution is the biggest marketing or advertisement mm. of anything. Because the more you, the more you persecute or the more you make something illegal, the more people, human beings have curious minds. The more human beings want to, you know, try that thing. Because younger people, if you want to know how young people operate, the young people always want to push back on, on, on established order. We, we like to push back on tradition. A little bit. That's why when you grow up, your parents tell you never don't grow hair. When you grow up, you end up ah, I'm going to have hair. I want to see what will happen. You know, your parents tell you uh, well, um, you're not supposed to pull down your pants. Well, young people pull down their. It's like we like to put back, to push back on on tradition. Yeah. See, Christianity reached its pinnacle when the value for human life was established. Now, anything that has been happening from that moment, we've been trying to push back on these traditional Christian values. And that's how we have all these alternative lifestyles. The only thing that has the tenacity that can outlive a marriage of a man and a woman mm. is infidelity and homosexuality. Homosexuality has been... Why do you think such a very weird, repulsive way of life? For me, it repulses me by the way. The only reason that lifestyle has been able to even exist even today. Actually, today it's even a it has existed from time exactly, to time. Exactly, time to time. Yeah, like now, that doesn't make it homosexuals from the Bible. It doesn't make it right in my world view. However, okay, first of all, mm. yeah. Um I don't really believe there's right or wrong. Personally. Okay. So you know you don't think there's an objective standard to life? I, I believe we are in this quest to really just be better human beings, right? How are you able to think if you think there is no good and wrong? Because all that is subjective. 
to something. Well, exactly. You know, when, when you brought it up in that format of, uh, what did you say? You said homosexuality. The fact that it exists from, like, it doesn't make it right because it exists from time immemorial. Like, you yes. don't even know its existence, right? Isn't yeah. that the same concept we use with God? Like, we don't know God's existence, but we believe that he's right. So why, how then do we choose well, what's bad from what's good? Well, you can also say we do not know God. We don't. That is a reductive view of life, man. No, we don't. We know God. We only have, I told you, we started this in the conversation, we only have scriptures written. No, no, no. And that, that can be, the a concept. scripture, for me, so I believe, I don't believe that God wrote those scriptures. Humans being did. Human beings wrote that, those scriptures. But they were trying to metaphorically write things at, that they think would point us in the direction of that which is good, which we perceive to be God. For me, God is a set of values. To me, mm. it's not some creature up there with a big long stick. For me, God is a set of values. There are some questions I will not be able to answer. Things like, uh, you know, creation, God creating man and putting breath in there. We get. I don't. I don't know how that came to pass. I want to believe that science tries to explain it, but I also want to believe that science makes an argument for the presence of God. For me, God is a set of values. So, when I talk about homosexuality, having the tenacity of infidelity, these are the two things that are really very old. And society has been trying to battle with these things. Even in the Bible, King David is left with someone who's wife. Mm -hmm. You get. And things didn't go well. Potiphar. Yeah. Infidelity has been here from generations. But why do people still do it even when we've said it is wrong? Now, it is a moral question for me. And, and like I said, Mark, I don't want to, this is not a gold standard to explain the existence of homosexuality. But this is my reductive view of how I make sense of the whole thing, mm -hmm. right? I believe this is a moral thing. This is a thing that some people, curious minds, indulge themselves into. I have also had people say they were born like that. But I've also, I mean... I mean, because people profess to be Christian that they were born like that because look, we've had it from time on. Like I said, here's like the thing you've existed as a straight person, and so have yeah, they. Yeah, yeah. When girls are in their puberty stage, mm -hmm. they have a higher proclivity to negative emotion. Mm -hmm. They doubt their looks so much. Most girls actually, they, have deep, they get depressed when they're going through that change. As they're being prepared to become mothers that will nurture, right? Actually, they have a very high amount of negative emotion. Mm. They, doubt, they doubt their bodies. They're obsessed with social media. They indulge in so much things. Actually, girls consume more pornography than men, than boys. You can look it up. That's true. So, there are things that happen... To us, you know, actually, I've heard, I read some article, I don't remember who the author was, that said girls even find other girls cuter than they are when they're judging their beauty. 
And in the process of making sense of their beauty and where they stand in the hierarchy of beauty, in the beauty hierarchy, I've heard that some girls become attracted to other girls. Because, believe it, you find these chick cavishas, all the nice things that define who a beautiful girl is. Because, because society defines beauty. Mm. So we all know what a beautiful woman is. Even women know who a beautiful woman is. Now, today we are trying to kind of flatter. You know, we say people can do whatever they want. You can be a, big, a hippo. You can, you, know, you can be anything. You know, you say, we say you are beautiful. But the truth is, we, you know, society has always defined beauty. Even girls know that standard. And men do know that standard. And I've heard girls somehow, somehow in their, you know, socialization. I don't, I don't even understand this concept, but I've heard they get a liking for fellow girls. Now, maybe like, boys get the same too. Maybe, you know, may, maybe, like I said, maybe. But, an established order, you see, you see, yes, culture. Culture has its bad side. But also culture has its own good side. Culture protects us against the monster that lurks underneath in places where our knowledge comes to an end. The opposite to that is a curious mind that wants to transcend the confines of culture. Mm -hmm. You get? Mm. So, these are two things that are, coexist in the human mind. Culture is what has already been defined for us. It's like, you know, the, these moral codes, you know, that's culture defining things for us. Now, some of these things we are repressive. Some of these things, we battle with them. But, they protect us against the things that lacks underneath. Now, here, here is the shortcoming of culture. Culture does not allow us to grow past its confines. So for us to grow past the confines of culture, we push boundaries. And I look at homosexuality and all these other alternative lifestyles and inventions, everything. Necessity is the mother of invention. Mm. All these things is just us trying to battle with the confines of culture to try and push the boundary, to try and flatten, you know, the curve. Now, even if that's what we are trying to do, personally, in the things that I subscribe to, I personally believe that is a deviation from what I believe. And there are so many things in this world you can believe, Mark, but you just can't believe everything. You, you can only be defined by a few things. You need some values yeah. that define you. Or else you not live a life, you be believing according to people's ideas. As for my own ideas and beliefs, I do not believe in that. However, also, I know the difference between solving a problem and posturing. What our politicians do most of the time is posturing. What we are doing here, the West tried. The West had laws against homosexuality. For many years, it became stronger and stronger until it was legalized. So I am telling you, when I say this law is foolish or the way they are doing it is bad, it's not because I'm trying to say, oh, they should not do anything about it. I'm trying to say, you are only creating a platform for this to become the acceptable, acceptable way of life 25 years from now. The problem is that the people who are making laws for this country are 75 years old, 80 years old. They're going to be dead in 10 years from now. I am going to be here 25 years from now, even 60. So the decisions they make today are going to affect me more 
than they are going to affect them. Okay. You get what I'm trying to say? Okay. So for me, I do not believe that the government should be ever given a right to legislate morality. I am conservative. I believe in limited government intervention in my life. Mark, I really don't believe in... in I don't like what homosexuals do. But I will protect their right to do their thing. Because if you don't, they will take away your right in some way. To ways. do my other things. Yeah, other things. So for me, that's me. But again... My only disagreement with these people with alternative lifestyle is how they push their nonsense onto us. It's how they try to push the propaganda in the schools. But when th th that's a flawed argument as well. Well, it's not. Because this is what you're going to tell me, right? Yes. Um, this is what happened in the school. You, the heterosexual, as the heterosexual people, I'm a straight man. Mm. We like to think that our remember now these people exist right yes like they exist so One thing that our the view is the most upright most yeah yes. uh -huh. so uh the arguments around that is uh you 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 hear a lot of ordinary people conversations ah netflix cvg all these days all the series have to have a gay scene and whatnot mm. but bro every fucking series has people fucking in them right yeah so why don't you want to see people fucking alternatively like them because these people coexist well like i said like, it's inclusion Mark. it's not actually pushing down the norms it's inclusion when you look at it objectively it's just people including into their lifestyle mark what do you call inclusion yeah what like, is called we're saying this is what you are doing and we want to all do it i think this is a fight around feminism this is a fight around the same thing it doesn't yeah. that is the thing for me about this inclusive talk that is peddled around the world, you know, be inclusive, you know, be this, be accepting, you know, be affirming. Yeah. That is actually not right. For me, I don't believe in inclusion. I have my own prejudices. There are things that will never be normal to me. Let me tell you, my friend, mm. there are things that will never be normal to me. I do not live in a group think. Inclusion is a talk for group think. I don't, I told you already, I told you, I don't even believe in equality. So, this inclusion thing you're talking about mm -hmm. is just people trying to have a group of people who think at the average frequency of wherever the standard is. I don't believe in that. Now, this inclusive talk that you hear about diversity, inclusion, and equity. Mm. That is the biggest delusion of the 21st century. Because we really know what is at the X. You see, if you want to know the real impact of an ideology, right? Yeah. Always look at who is implementing it. What do you mean by inclusion? You know what inclusion means normalizing things. Do you know what it means when life is normalized? Mark, do you know what it means if we were all if we wake up one day in this country and every one of us has been given a million dollars and we all know about it? Do you know what would happen? We all know each one of us has a million dollars and we all know about it. What would happen? Hypothetically, what would happen? People will become to be the zombie apocalypse. 
You have a million dollars, I have a million Exactly, we'll be killing each other so we have more than the other. I think you people are trying to... Uh, uh, see, you're planning a world for robots that are programmed. You're not planning a world for human beings who evolve based on what happens to them. You see, you can socialize people. You know, this social construction is to believe that people are malleable. You can turn them into whatever you want. You can tell a girl to cut off her boobs and create a, 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 a penis out of whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it, that, that social construction view. They believe you can, you know, play around with people. People are malleable. You can make people perfect. Oh, you don't agree with your nose? Oh, it's fine. Cut off that nose. Let us make you something that you like. You know, we believe in that. Look. That is playing God. But we are not God. That's playing God. In fact, man, let me tell you, the genesis of all these things, for me, I believe man is so bitter. Humanity is so bitter with itself that it would rather hurt itself such that it can hurt God. That's my belief. It, that is my theory. Man is, humanity is so hurt, deeply hurt with the suffering in this world that it would rather mutilate itself as a way of inflicting pain, because what do you do to hurt someone you hate the most? It is someone, you see, man blames God for the suffering in the world. Because again, you can't put away the blame on his feet. Because his God is perfect, if he's capable of all these things, why don't he just, you know, wipe away all the suffering? There's a group of people with a, who are overwhelmed with this anti-human spirit. This climate change people. They don't believe in people giving birth to many kids. They think so many people are scourged on earth. Yeah. They would rather protect the planet than protect the human species. They think we should not dig out fossil fuels because they're going to pollute the environment and then it's doomsday. Look, do you know what happens when we don't do that? Mm. We send the world into poverty. When we keep people in poverty, do you know what we do? We actually pollute the world more. Poor people pollute the world more. Yes, rich people, when you have money, you buy automobiles, right? But when poor people don't have money to afford the cooker, they cut trees and they use charcoal. That's true. Trees are supposed to suck the carbon dioxide from atmosphere. So, in all our possible ways, we, we all, you know, contribute. So, this inclusive talk yeah. is a smoke screen for people who are trying to, you know, social constructions, there's things that will never be normal to all of us. I have my prejudices. It's what makes me Joel. Mark, if I was only the other version of you, that would be the most boring life to live. I agree. Imagine a world where we all think alike. Do you want to live in that place? Yeah. So why, why do people want that place? So I don't want to live in a world where all people think alike. That's why I'm okay with Muslims. I am okay with Christians. I am okay with atheists. You get. I am okay with all those people. I want all these. Are you okay with homosexuals? Uh, I I don't you about. You are okay with them. I'm not going to kill them, them. Yeah. but I don't approve of their lifestyle. But I'm not going to really get a gun and go kill them. Actually, I would I would rather have him, him homosexuals. If if we're trying to protect kids against the consequences of homosexuality, I would rather let homosexuals live. So we see the consequences of their lifestyle. Consequences of exactly. I would rather let them live so we see the consequences of their homosexuality mm -hmm. and then cut out my life for my children. I, I need people to use as a bad example for my children. 
what are the consequences like what bad look look team well we have them as successful leaders of society look well at, you uh, look at serious <laughs> actors like who this game is on breakdown there's so many like, look, so many look team cook is like we look i agree with no more human beings like yes that. we have all that blah 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 i agree right but i would rather i'm sure there's always a consequence to everything there's a consequence to a heterosexual relationship Thank there you. has to be a consequence to homosexual I want relationship to look at life in that perspective you get homosexuals are not going to have children yeah. they just want to adopt other people's children science dictates otherwise bro well they don't adopt other people's children well, no no but they can now have children well how surrogate mothers mm-hmm. Well, if you want a baby, why, why don't you just get a young man, make your man pregnant and have children with him? Well, I don't want the normal standard of life. Maybe science will get there. But the point I'm saying is, mm. I know that there are consequences to these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if we go back to the uh, parliament thing we started, where we came from, because I don't want us to get lost in, in a very big, uh, complex you know, uh, argument, is that when you're members of parliament, the only thing they can think about, a week before they're all accused of stealing iron sheets, the other week they are legislating who is sleeping with who. Mm-hmm. We are their priorities. They are stealing iron sheets that are meant to create a hospital and things that are going to help the most poor region of the country. But they are getting away with it because they can shout about this homosexual thing because you are so conservative and religious and you've only limited yourself to the confines of your religion and tradition that you are willing to look the other side when it comes to their other moral you know, doings and because they're trying to give you a smoke screen. That is a smoke screen. You, you just look at the law. The thing was poorly written. Any sober judge, even the magistrate of the high court or first court, whatever, he will throw that thing out of court the first time he reads it. Because your constitution itself, your constitution, and this is the thing, the 1995 constitution, Writing our own constitution, we just copied and pasted other people's ideas. This is why I told you, we are our ideas. Our own constitution gives people the liberty to pursue life and the things that make them happy. You get? For me, I think we are losing the conversation. The conversation is not whether someone found to be homosexual should go to prison for 10 or 20 years. Because people will still do it. You think people are going to have to be having sex as they record themselves so you can know? Or they are going to do a Facebook live so you can kind of arrest them when doing it? Also, look at who is doing this homosexual thing. Even in the West, homosexuality is pretty much a, a, a rich white people behavior. Even in the West, in majority of these people, look at the homosexual LGBT community. They have a lot of money. The people because they need protection. But right? look here, yeah. no, no, look here. Yeah. I'm not trying to say they should not have the money. I'm not. I'm only trying to say that they have the money to continue living their lifestyle, and you will never even find out. They can still do it and get away with it because it's not a bad thing. Exactly. But also, look here. Yeah. They are hetero- they are heterosexual men and women who do extremely terrible things. Yes. They are men who defile children. Yeah, the they have guys who rap girls. You get? Mm-hmm. So you're going to tell me that men rapping girls is okay? Uh, I mean, you're going to tell me that men defiling young children is, we can overlook that, but we should 
kill someone, an adult who consented with an adult to do whatever they want to do. Now, when I say that, I'm even like an apologist for these people. I'm just saying logic dictates. You know, facts don't care about feelings. Mm -hmm. We all find happiness in different things. For me, I don't want teachers in schools talking to my children about sex. I wish African culture would open up a little bit where parents can have honest conversations with their children about these things. Yeah. The problem we hear in Africa is parents can't even have a conversation about sex with their children. Parents can't... You know how many girl, how girls get frustrated when they're going through puberty? Their mothers can't talk to them about anything. The same thing with the boys. You get? Do you know who talks to these kids about sex and sexuality? It's teachers. Do you know who is teaching these teachers? It's a few professors who, have, who got a scholarship to go to Harvard and they have all this white man bullshit in their heads and they're pushing it into the heads of your kids. So, I feel like, well, it's the same thing with abortion, right? Yeah. There are people who are pro-choice and there are people who are pro-life, right? Now, in my conservative way, I'm going to sound more pro-choice than pro-life, though I am very pro-life. I respect the sanctity of human life. But also, I respect that people should be able to do what they want with their bodies. That makes me a classical conservative person. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing. I don't want to be pro-life or pro-choice. If you want to address but you the have issue... To something. If, but if you want to if you want to address the issue of abortion, abortion yeah. is the issue. Yeah. You don't address it by choosing a side and playing a boogeyman. You address abortion by knowing why does it why is it happening and who is doing it? Who is making these girls pregnant? Man. Who is funding abortion? Who is paying for these abortion bills? Men. And women themselves. So okay. So the, the concept of sex is still far fetched. Like, exactly. So yeah. for me the thing is for me the thing is abortion is is a is a manifestation of a big problem that has already occurred. Mm. It is the last stage of a very big problem that has occurred. Girls who have grown up with their fathers and brothers that they normally don't get taken advantage of. Yeah. Girls who have grown up in homes with no fathers normally fell prey to these guys because no one is there to provide for them. They are needed, they are vulnerable. They have all this negative emotion happening. They find a guy who lies to them, promises that will be there for them, and then they give in. Because like I said, sex is the biggest leverage women have on men. And you know what? Then she gets pregnant. So you're going to say, okay, no, now she should not abort. But you know, she's a 15-year-old girl who didn't have knickers. She got promised knickers. And some old man. Men are so ridiculous. I'm not going to say all of them, but some men are really so ridiculous. They were poorly socialized. They are adult infants. Because it's only if an adult infant, a 45-year-old man that finds a 15-year-old man appealing. A 15-year-old girl appealing. Even if she's appealing, yes, she has all these nice, you know, features. You know, maybe she looks nice. But if you really care. When you go back to our cultures, mm. uh, that was, that is the norm. And it's, it's not, you know, the appealing of a woman is just not on looks, right? Like, you look at... It depends what you want from the woman. Yeah. If you want to sleep with the woman, they look... 
in that uh, reconstructed song by Navio. Hamadi. Navio has a new song out. New rap song that's really popular. Mm. It's called Hamadi. So Elu Wamala is trying to... This song is from back then. Elu Wamala was putting out the messages saying, yo, me as a 40-year-old, I have mm. no business mm. marrying someone in my age bracket. Mm. I want to go and look for an 18-year-old. Mm. Yeah? Because you see they're going to give me peace and comfort and whatnot. There's so much ignorance in the music, but then it's the logic and the culture we were... That was built, right? Yes. Sorry. Mm. And when he said that just sense mm. like that. Mm. But it's wrong when you think about it deeply. Like, why is a 40-year-old looking out for an 18-year-old? Regardless of the fact that 18 is consent enough. Mm. Mm. The, the age bracket like Well, we love youth. I told you earlier, I said earlier that men love youth. Yeah. Yes. But it's only an inter- a, a, a very disintegrated man that thinks that it's okay to sleep with an eight-year-old. She's just a child. Okay, forget now the pedophile mentality because e- this is very e- different. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like pedophiles are not... Yeah, exactly. So, what, what are you asking for? What, 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 why, does, why do men love youth? Yeah. Like, well, is it proper? Is it right? You well, know, you, because you're talking about something in the, in the, in the age. I, I just skipped it. Yes. Yeah. Look, I already said that men love youth. To be honest with you, men love youth, and youth represents many things. Youth represents purity, youth represents fertility, youth represents... Um, men love to share experiences. We want to teach, you know, girls' experiences. We are, you know, men are that adventurous. We want to find a girl who knows nothing and teach her everything. And we want that. We have this proclivity to see beauty and save it. We want to save beauty. You know, when we see beauty, we want to savour it and save it. We have that. Hmm? So I feel like all those things play into that. Right? And also, you cannot put... <clears throat> oh God forbid, I want to sound like a pedophile. You can't put it away that a girl who is 18 years old, 19 years old, 20 years old, who is not going through trauma... <laughs> actually looks really, really beautiful than a woman who is 35. That's true. So They're so energetic. Exactly. So the yeah. beauty of a younger girl is not something you compare to anything. You can't. You get. But as society, at least we agreed. We, there's some things we've been able to agree on. That let us, let us let children be children. Let us not rob children of their childhood. Let us deal with these girls when they become of age. You get? Mm. And that is why I was saying, I'm making the point that before we jump onto the end of the conclusion, because the problem with people today, even in the West or even in Africa, people jump to the deep end of everything. Oh, now look at homosexuals. Now let us create a law. Now this. Well, first things first. What has happened? that has made a vice so repulsive to become so popular. First address that. You get? Mm-hmm. Address that. It's how you, you deal with issues. Okay, what has happened that today abortion is a thing that uh, women movements are we, uh, heal women movements are willing you know, to, to fight for? Now you can say poverty. Actually, me... Poverty in all its aspects. Because you see, exa- uh, one, manipulation... 
like you said a nigga that can buy a chick some nickels can just get away with it right mm-hmm. make her pregnant run away leaves her in all this trauma mm-hmm. she has to deal with it so her only way out is of course to not deal with a child mm-hmm. so po- abortion shouldn't actually be a thing because you know we live in a world where there's a lot of the world in um, itself is unfair america is the richest country on earth and every year over 60 million babies are aborted in america so you think americans are voting because they are poor but they are so fucking poor not all of them are even if even even if they are poor the kind of poverty in america is not the kind of poverty here in africa i agree at least in america even if you are poor there's some kind of but wealth but also the freedom in yeah. america is too there's much some ki- there's some kind of wealth that we collectively share as americans mm. yes but also you're so free and and you know freedom is very costly that it comes with a lot of social constructs right right yeah, so a lot yeah, of yeah. people are are bought in because you see they can't just deal with some brackets of life yeah and, I, and, and like i said like i said as a conservative man i believe in you know christian man i believe that life begins you know in the womb so i believe really at conception i don't think a baby is just a bunch of cells I believe those are a bunch of cells in there with a, a higher ability to grow and become someone. So I believe that is life and I know for sure we may not want to say that we may want to say oh, it's a medical procedure. I really want believe when you are carrying out abortion you are killing someone. Yeah. But also as someone who believes in self determination. Mm. I really would want people to be empowered to make decisions that I think they can live with the consequences. The problem with America and the world at large today is that we tell people that they are okay the way they are and they can do whatever they want but we do not tell them that there are consequences. The part where accountability comes in we whitewash it, right? And then we have people trapped into things that have really severe consequences. and the consequences both intended and unintended. Mm-hmm. So, well, so the chick aborts once or twice or three times. You know, I'm for the right of women to kill their children. Women should have a right to kill their children actually. That's not <laughs> the same thing. If it's possible women should kill their children up to 10 years old. You get. But but do not lie yourself. You are killing someone. It is murder. Now you may try to whitewash the guilt that comes with taking a human life but the truth is you took a human life and this is a guilt you're going to live with for the rest of your life now like like the west is you see americans are very poor at solving problems do you know what they do they throw money at every problem they would rather go print more money and throw money send people unsolicited checks and lock up the economy they would rather send money to pakistan they would rather throw money on everything that is not solving problems if you want to solve problems you must be willing to face them mark so for me abortion in itself even when is the thing are you going to stop young people from having sex young people in their adolescent stage have the urge to have sex and the consequences of sex is pregnancy right maybe it is better you have a conversation with your daughters and and the sons and you tell them that sex 
is not a thing that is made for people who are not ready to deal with its consequences. Maybe if we had people doing that, well, I, believe, I want to believe human beings are smarter than we rate them to be. If young people were told the truth, that look here, you want to have sex? Yes. Do you know why it's not good to have it now? No. Well, you can make up pregnant. Do you know how much it costs me to feed you and clothe you and take care of you? That is what has to happen when you do it. Oh, you may abort. Do you know what is going to happen to that girl who has aborted? Well, chances are it may not be as safe as it is marketed. There are consequences to it. Have you sat down with someone who had a miscarriage or someone who aborted and had the honest conversation with them? Mark, try. It's hard. People market abortion like women are just happy doing it. The women who do abortion, women in their female nature, they want kids. They would rather nurture babies and raise beautiful kids. I, I read for you a kid. Go back to you know, no, but, but hold ah, ah, ah. <laughs> a, An article written by some expert. That's single. That's nonsense. <laughs> All right. Here is the thing. Women in their female nature, they are, they are there to nurture love. How old do you know this? You're not a woman. No, no, no. We live in an objective world, Mark. Not a subjective one. Just because I'm not a woman, it doesn't make me ignorant about women. I married one. I know about men, I would have married a man. It also means that I, I invested the time in learning what women are because I married one. You get what I'm saying? Just because I don't carry baby. Just because I don't carry baby in my time, it doesn't mean I don't know what happens with women. The thing is, do you know what happens? Most women who are bought, I have had conversations with women who are bought. This is their last option. They weigh and they see, well, the guy is not in the picture. If I'm, if I'm going to have this kid and raise this kid by myself, my future is done. My leverage in the dating world is dead. Do you know how women with children struggle to find people to marry them? People just take advantage of them. Is marriage the end goal? Well, for, for today's society, you say you may, it, it may not be the end goal for mm -hmm. everyone, right? But if we had to look into the past and extract some of the good things, at least marriage is one of those things that we can look in the past and extract mm -hmm. and say this as was a good thing and it's the, it's, it's the construct, it's the foundation of our society. So without ma family and marriage, there's no human civilization. Mm. So you cannot say it's not the end goal. If we want to survive on this earth for generations, it means we still, there has to be people who must marry and procreate. Yeah. So you cannot just downplay it. So, but, but look, the, the point I was making is the people who say they are pro-choice, the market abortion, like it's a, it's a knockoff decision women just make when they are excited. No. Women, that's a difficult decision, by the way. So, why do we let our women get to a point where they have to make difficult decisions? So maybe we should address that. Mm. Instead of jumping to the deep end, I criticize the Christians for the same reasons. Well, you cannot label everything you don't agree with as sin, sin, whatever, whatever you get. That is nonsense. That's people who are not willing to reason. Some problems, you're not going to solve them by throwing scripture at them. Because sometimes we do these things even when we are already aware of what we are doing. But you can't throw scripture at everything. 
a scripture is a description of an, an ideal, a judgmental idea. Do you know how a young man feels when they meet, they meet a woman they're attracted to? The most terrifying thing to a man, a young man, forget about guys who are used to having women and they know how to play their game. A man who is in love, if you want to know that a man is in love, mm -hmm. they are so terrified of the woman they are in love with. You know why? You want this woman to love you back. You want them to accept you and love you the way you are. And sometimes you may not be even the best male in the neighborhood. You men, boys, I don't, I don't even know if women, women, women know this. Boys are so terrified of people they fall in love with. Do you know what? A person you fall in love with, they are not just a person you have feelings for. They are a manifestation of a judgment ideal. In your mind, they're not just someone you found and you have feelings for. This is the manifestation of beauty. You are struck. You are in love. You want this person to love you, yeah. believe you, cherish you, accept you, to a level that they will have kids for you or sleep with you. So that is exactly, that is exactly the kind of feeling that people have when they are making some of these difficult decisions. Now, what do we do? Do we, do we criminalize everything people do? Is that a solution for crime? No. Oh, do we help people navigate life and conduct themselves in a way that would not lead them into those things? Over here in Africa, many younger people have ended up in these alternative lifestyles because they have been promised visas, they have been promised money. I've heard these stories. I've heard them too. Exactly. So many young people end up doing things because of poverty, like you said. Mm. You know, for us in Africa, it's poverty. We'll trade anything for that money. We traded our relatives for money a hundred years ago, and we sold them off as slaves. That's an issue with globalization, right? <laughs> you can argue that that is what that's the trade-off mm. of, of of what you get from you know from globalization, you know, the exchange of cultures. But again. Do you create a law? Or do you empower families? Do parents, how, how, how involved are parents into their children's life? And are these parents have the wavelength to be involved in their kids' life? Our parents, they're the most emotionally absent people. Our parents think that as soon as they give you food, money for school fees, you get, they have played their part. They let schools raise us. Over here, children go to boarding schools. In the West, there are no boarding schools. I've from private boarding schools. You get? And, and people, those are the most expensive schools. People who take their children in those schools, they may have made a conscious decision. In the West, children go to school at 9. 8.45 school starts at 9. By 3 school is done. The parents spend more time with the children. There is no school on Saturday and Sunday. You get? Mm -hmm. Children have time to do homework, socialize, do all these things. Even those in the public schools. The, those who have some money in the West homeschool their children. The mother de dedicates her time in reading and researching and making sure she explains these things to their children. Do you know what we do here in, in Africa in the South? Well, we make money, we just send the kids to the most expensive school in the country. We think that the higher the school fees they charge, the better the quality of education. 
Well, it doesn't turn out that way. There can be some correlation. Yeah. I agree. But we now traditional schools that used to be the epitome of our values. Right now, they've been attacked by these things. Most of these things, if you look around, they're in these traditional schools. So, how much time are we having with our children? The, and, and who are the kind of people who have time with their children? It's, it's only in Africa where rich, it's rich people in Africa are the most weird rich people. Mm -hmm. How so? So in Africa, when people are rich, they advertise their wealth. They, it's like, do you want everyone to notice you? You want everyone to know you are rich. No, this is again I, that argument is very flawed. I wouldn't uh, agree. Okay, I, and here's why. Mm. Because the African man really copies from the Western man. Yet, well, I mean, we've seen the cultures exported here and the influence we're talking about in the beginning. The, it's only in the Western guys that you'll see guys having phone calls with money. Uh, it's the alcohol but, culture comes from there. Okay, okay, this it's, is what you get it wrong. It's see, not the culture thing. that is exported to the rest of the world, in the, that has been exported to the rest of the world in the last 30 years, is the culture that is resented even in the Western world. Don't think that every white man approves same-sex marriages. No! Actually, majority of them don't like it. They would want to see it illegalized, like here. I, okay. It is Obama, actually. It's Obama. You see, this, this is why Obama, man, he, me as a conservative man, he failed me. And this is why I don't rate his presidency at all. Mm. It is Obama who made normal all the most ridiculous things I disagree with. It's Obama. He was put there like a poster boy. For the global elite. And, they, and it's through him that they passed whatever they wanted. When it came to things that would have helped us as his brothers, he looked the other way. He, they rained bombs on Libya and Obama. You get? Mm. So, the, these habits you see here, these are not the Western culture. These are the deviants or the deviations of Western culture that we, we see here. The mainstream culture you see on TV and media, that is not American culture. The traditional American culture is for God, family, and country. That is why conservatives are the boogeyman. If you read the media, if you read, if you read the media, every time the conservatives are, they say they are racist, they are homophobes, every bad thing, they are misogynists, they are all these things. And they are not few, they are many. You get? So the things you see in the media... Is a new world we are trying to build, but that's not Western culture. That has been the, a product of the new global elite that has take, that has become the scourge of the world. That is not Western culture. Real, <coughs> I I live in Midwest. I live in the Midwest. Yeah. These guys believe in hard work. The reason why is only in, in America, where a group, a, a specific group of people are expected to vote a certain way. If you're a black man in America, they expect you to vote a Democrat. Why? Now that's so flawed, yeah? yeah. Why, do they, why would you be encouraging the entire race to be one-sided? To be voting one-sided? You think that's not Fisher? That's very Fisher. But then they will say, oh, the other side, you say over there, I don't vote them. They are racist. But now for you, you can only vote this way. But black people, in their blackness, they are overly conservative people. Some of them. 
they're not literally really, you know, into this. Being again a black community is not as is not a walk in the park. Most gay people are transphobes who get murdered. They get murdered in the black communities. Mm -hmm. Not in white communities, in the black communities. So, the, the thing is, what we see, what you see on TV, media, whatever, is controlled. That is the new world that the, the global elites want to create. The a new world, world order. That's a world of degenerates. That's a world that, that, that that's a world where ideology trumps logic. Anything that doesn't line with ideology is wrong. When how did we get to a point where white people can no longer tolerate differing opinions? Isn't it the only thing we used to admire about white people? Where that, you know, man, man, these guys, you know, different party, whatever, but you know, they can disagree but still, you know, remain together, change leaderships and, and all that. Yeah. How did we get Donald Trump? I mean, what's wrong with Donald Trump? Donald Trump has no, no. proven before to be a very successful man. Look, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to say he's bad. Yeah. Like, look, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm one of the black people who supported Donald Trump. Because it's cool to support him. It's not cool to support him. Actually, you get the brunt of free American life if you support Donald Trump and you're black. They'll call you all racist things. They'll call you a coon. They'll call you all things that you know. I, I really think... Uh, from the marketing perspective of things, I, I, I liked the disruption he came with. Yes, look, as as an objective he person, he showed us that the US can also be an asshole. Look, so as an objective, as an objective person, and as a creative that you are, that is okay. That is classical liberalism. You get? Mm. I, it, it, I don't know how liberals turned from the party of of, of um, tolerance and you know uh, dialogue to a party of only our idea or not works so that is classical liberalism classical liberalism right now in america is conservatism today if you were a center you know you are you know that that guy is you know the liberal they, they don't believe in these hardline conservative views you know, pro-life whatever you know mm. but they 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 okay having a conversation with someone that you know disagree with and find a common ground now, if you're that person in America, you are considered a right wing. Yeah. That's why many people in the left, in the center left, right now, the people with like hardcore liberals, right now they look at them as conservatives, which is so ridiculous. So, groupthink is the dead, is the death of human civilization. Because it, it takes a nuance out of conversation. Mm. Life is not easy. Don't want to lie to you. Life is difficult. Life is full of suffering. We can only work together to try and minimize the pain and charter a path forward. We can't do that in isolation of other ideas. That is why even as repulsive as homosexuality is to me, right? I'm not Still one of the people... To accommodate it. I'm not one of the people that are going to go and kill them. What happens? Because you do not have a right to kill. But what happens? What happens? It's yeah. not an option. Exactly. What happens if my son is turns into one? Or is one? As they because you don't understand. Am I going to kill person. him? Who knows? It will break my heart. I would never bring him to Uganda to meet my parents. I'd rather have him grow up in the US, you know, where such type of a lifestyle. 
is you know acceptable but how do you think your son hypothetically speaking if your son turned uh this is an email if your son turned gay mm-hmm. how do you think they would feel listening to you on this podcast um uh, i hope this is going to be yeah kept for well time memorial. i think that my son yeah would be proud of me that i'm honest about my yeah, my feelings on mm-hmm. things and like i said you know mark me I, i evolve i am always ready to change my opinion if someone convinces me exactly i'm not a guy that doesn't update my information or knowledge actually that is the pinnacle of pride pride is when you are at that level where you think that all you know is all they are raised to know mm. i am not that person there are so many things i used to know to be true that now i that now i think in the world we live in are not true you get yeah so but, i again, but if my son of truth mm. yeah truth uh, here we differ for you you think there is no objective standard for truth i do not agree with you for me yeah. i think there's an objective standard for truth, for truth of what's right and what's not exactly right. but life has proven otherwise yes well we, here we we, we we disagree and i now not we knew but we need five hours because you have a postmodern view of that I, i do not have a postmodern view of that i am not a humanist i am not at all mm. my world view is predicated on christian judeo principles and And, and 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 i will not be able to you know convince yeah. you mm-hmm. not even in the list of 10 hours i hear you so since we we have a difference on opinion and on it's that, okay for us to agree exactly yeah. for me if my son was gay the ugandan in me would want to strangle him because it repulses me but the ugandan in you could be a fucking ignorant ugandan because yeah, you know look uganda has zero access to information so you're going to just you're constrained around cultures that are really yeah, yeah, really yeah, yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. lucky for me though i have always aspired to be a different kind of a ugandan mm. i have always tried to educate myself i've been able to get where i am today in life because i decided to reeducate myself yeah, yeah. i have never taken a job in line with what i went to school for i don't even think i can do one i have been able to be able to cut out life for myself because i've always been willing to learn i am a very teachable person by the way i am so argumentative i'm so disagreeable but i'm very teachable i always believe there is always more to learn mm-hmm. i always try to push my boundaries to the end of my knowledge but i always allow the idea that you know i feel like you know learning is like a, 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 we are hustling here you know we are fighting with ideas you push back on me i push back on you you change me a little bit i change you a little bit i believe that's how dialogue is and that's how i learn i'm very teachable so the ugandan in me would want to strangle that kid but the father in me would not do that because that's my son that's my blood Let me tell you why I married Ali. Mm-hmm. I married Ali in life than so many young people today because I wanted to have my children with this one woman that I love and just one woman. This is the one I wanted to have children with and be able to cut out a family 
Mm-hmm. I believe in the idea of family. Let me let me tell, let me let me tell you something. Like I I think the moral when uh, yesterday I was telling you about my dad, right? Yes. So I believed in the idea of I believe in the idea of family, right? Mm. That's that's all I've existed. Uh, but no, first finish. I think I'll, I'll pick my answer. First. So so the point I was making is that it's my son. He's my son. I'll tell him what I believe to be true. True, no, right? Yeah, yeah. And I do not. That's a struggle that will be his to navigate. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I would rather him know what the consequences are of whatever choices is making, mm. such that he makes these choices, knowing there will be consequences. Same when we raise heterosexual children. Just because they are heterosexual doesn't mean they are going to go. They they, they won't make mistakes. I mean, they're early pregnancy. Exactly. Not known to, I, but yeah. I would rather have my children know all the information, such that they are equipped to deal with the consequences of their decisions. Like I told you in the beginning, a good parent willfully fails. So if you'd rather let your children know, yes. yeah, all the cons, the the best of both worlds. Yes, this is what you're saying. Yes, it means then there it is not up to you at all. For their choices no because you're, they're then exposing them to everything yeah and this brings back the point of inclusion we're talking about yeah remember when i was telling you uh you are saying um homosexuals push this down everyone's throat right mm. then i tell you no actually they're only asking for inclusiveness this is why the tv series are doing this this is why um this is why you see it right now even the books they are giving kids at school they they, they try to include other sexes like the, the, the normality of it or because it has not been there because there's no there's a lot of new information there's also no information that really puts it out to be a disorder because it's not or an abnormal thing because it's not that's the whole thing when you expose people to information then they, they, they can decide here's the thing binary right here's the thing with information whoever writes the information wins dictates the outcomes you get yeah <clears throat> I, I, I hate parents who are not involved in their children's lives I really want parents to have honest conversations with their children about things mm. For me, Mark, I want to have conversations with my daughters and, and sons About anything and everything If my son can't learn from me things, I will be the worst father Because you know what, Mark? I've lived a very wild life and so did our parents. I, I believe my dad no, is no, like no. the humblest. Yeah. But but the society they grew into, I don't know whether it, it kind of it kind of made them I don't know what it turned them into, but our parents were not very open about sex and you know life and youth and things like that. Mm-hmm. Because they thought they are modeling us a perfect image of this is the good. Everything that is not you see here is the bad. bad. Yeah. So for me, what like I'm telling you here, man. I'm I don't want to raise children who are going to be infants at third. Like I told you, I'm not trying to raise girls who are going to be equal to some girls next door. I want to raise girls who are going to exceed hmm. my expectations. I want to raise children who are going to exceed my expectations. So I am going to equip them with every information. And I'm going to have unfiltered conversations. How with do them. you sieve? You know, I used to make juice, so I'm, mm. I'm very familiar with the concept of sieving. Mm. 
how do you kusengeja? That is the word we used to use when I was making my juice. How do you kusengeja? When it comes to, we are in a world with so much information that mm. it's it's really a skill mm. to... You must be able to think. To discern from mm-hmm. what information really works because all of it can be real, right? Yes. You can read a book and it makes sense mm-hmm. and the opposite of it also makes sense. Mm-hmm. So in that world, how do you see what's right and what's wrong? So... It depends on what I am dealing with, you know, at a given point in time. Mm. There's nothing new under the sun. There may be new literature that shows up, but there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that, has, that is happening today has happened before. So there's information. There's knowledge to draw from the old. Mm. There's also knowledge to draw, you know, from the future, from new things, you know, that come up. But here is me. I am able to, to differentiate people's opinions. I, I read information as I'm reading other people's opinions. Now, I promised myself, Mark, that I want to live my life based on my ideas. I don't want to live my life based on other person's ideas. ideas. That's okay. why I've been able to redefine most of the things, even in my faith. What people call God is not what I call God. When people say the Bible is the Alpha and Omega of everything, I don't think the Bible explains the entirety of God. Many people read the Bible like this. They think when you read this book and know everything you need, then you've known God. I don't read the Bible like that. I read it like this. I believe that the Bible is only but an entrance into the world of who God is. I look at God as an abyss. An ending, an unending, bottomless that you can never see you can never come to the end of it because the more you look into it the more you continuously don't it's like well if you try to explore the idea of god forget about this limited view of religion just and, and, and what your pastor told you in charge and what you think the bible says if you just look at the idea you just look at the nature around us the idea that we're on earth and there's water underground and all these things that exist and support human life and we grow we are babies born grow do things and die we have the, the ability that we have to create things rockets whatever all these things they point to the presence of a power that we can't explain now human beings want to live in a world where they think they can rationalize everything mm. for me i, I don't think we can rationalize everything or been able to. I think there's a limit to our knowing. And because there's a limit to our knowing, I believe that the little we know about God or about life in general should actually inform us the most that we do not know. So, I think, I don't see the world like this. I see the world like that. I see, I think, I, I, I know that 100 years from now, the world is going to be a completely different place. Human beings are capable of so much. So, and, 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 and the, the, the deity of God, a power that creates, is the deity of man. That's how I look at man. That's the only way I value you, Mark. Because you see me in the, the image of God. I see you in that. I see you with the power to create. Mm. I see you with the power to create value. God is the is that which extracts order or value out of nothing. 
the story of Genesis. He creates out of nothing. He says that there be this, that there be this, that there be that. He, he creates order, habitable order. Out of nothing, out of chaos. That's man. That's the story of your existence, man. That's your history. That's what I'm Your, your ancestors have been doing this. It's why you are here today. Your ancestors actually had to work through so many things. No electricity, no water, no nothing. It didn't matter. And they, and they had to create things out of nothing. It is how we have what we have today. That is the story. That's our story. That's our heritage. Our heritage is not that we are born and we live a very stupid, small, diminished life. And we, that's not our story. Our story is that we journey into the unknown. We sojourn into a world beyond us. And we create life. Who knew that a boy from Mudondo would build his life and end up in, in the U.S. and build a life for himself? That is the story of, of the human life. And maybe that doesn't mean anything to you. But man, if you should see where I come from. It would mean something. So, so one I hear say, you on that. This, hear our you story that. is that we, we are in that deity of God. We mm. can create things. That's why I hate it when we diminish our existence to these smaller ideologies. We try to create a world that cuddles adults and have them behave like they're infants. Man... We are killing these people. Life is not like that. If our ancestors behaved like that, we would have all died in the forest. Lannis would have eaten us. That's not what they did. That's not what they did. So I, I think that the story of human life, your story, is not that things are okay. Mm -hmm. No. Your story is that things are so terrible, actually so bad. But despite of all that, you have what it takes to make the most of it. Our story is that we are all separated by big oceans of water, but we are that which creates a tube that flies from one continent to another. Our story is not, oh man, you were misgendered. Your pronouns are they, them. Someone called you a she and you are triggered. Are you an idiot? Really? What triggers you? Someone calling you a, a she when you mean, replace them? <laughs> the concept of offense has really taken another. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. You know, some guy said his opinion about women, and somehow you are triggered. Are you okay? But but I I, I totally blame that onto the social media applications. You know, because they are designed to trade attention. So the the, the triggers are so. They'll relate. I'll be. I'll, I'll know. Like I'll know. They know what I like. They know what I don't like. So when the algorithm interconnects those two, it causes imaginary offense in our minds because you see what we see is what we get. Garbage in, garbage out for anything. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So what you see is what you perceive in that moment. So it's easy for these apps to actually cause offense. Uh, that is why, though, this is why I have a podcast. By the way, I realized that whenever I used to, I used to be people used to tell me as very controversial. Yet the things I say, I really believed in them. Like you, bro. Mm. You have go to gym. There's nothing around that. Just go to gym. Don't frustrate me with your opinion on anything. Look, I'm, no offense, but that's how I feel. I'm not fat shaming or what, but that's how I could feel, mm -hmm. right? But when you say that online and you type something like, yo, you're fat, go to gym. It's really going to come off as offensive because it's in text. 
yeah and it's going to show up to someone probably struggling with going to gym and what not what not but when we are having a conversation with my fat people mm. my puppy my friends who are fat i i frankly can talk to them and be like i'm not even talking to them in some format of advice i'm just telling them yo man what's up look you in the real life yeah. of social media when men are dealing with men we are very radical and violent with each other mm. men don't cuddle each other i think so it makes us men right i'm going to borrow jordan peterson's words yeah jordan peterson said for you to be able to think you must risk offending one another if you want to live in a world where you are discussing dealing with real issues that actually are, humanity is faced with real serious issues yeah we have world hunger we have all these isms you know we have all these almost like whatever so many things that attack humanity diseases pandemics yeah. whatever wars wars yeah for us to be able to negotiate peace with one another to discuss these complex issues we must risk offending one another actually let me tell you one thing it's okay to offend people when you are offending is it yes because offense comes with hurt and they don't exactly. believe that it's okay to hurt people uh, uh, no it is okay for people to be hurt because then that negative emotion can be channeled into something positive the thing is that the, 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 the hack of life is not that you are not going to be hurt mm. the, the truth is that you are going to be hurt many many times but the beauty of that is that you have what it takes within you despite of you being hurt you have what within you to galvanize that emotion into something good you channel it into something good a negative emotion can be a thing that fortifies you man with the things i went through growing up the things that don't intimidate me i have been poor before when i run out of money i am okay okay i hate poverty you know because you know i don't like being poor right like everyone else but if it happened that i run out of money yeah i have been there before you get woman well, i have hustled so i know hustle so it's not that you're not going to get hurt let me tell you when you are offending people it means you are you are forcing them to think is it your position to force others to think well if you're not for, if, if you are living with people who are not thinking then your life is just one stupid mistake away from it being gone imagine if you lived in a world of people who don't think mm. you, you know what you're talking about you think of any terrible you know you, you need to get people to think and if you're thinking about complex issues yeah. let us get to a smaller level even at a marriage level mm. right if you're not offending your wife and your wife is not offending me you chances are high that you are both stupid and bad for each other because for you to negotiate life with an adult you just met grew up in a different life and you came in and you're talking about finances that's you're talking about touch issues like parenting you're talking about faith you're discussing faith what do we believe in this household you know when you're talking about important issues many times emotions flare you must offend each other the only beauty is that you're offending someone you love so you're not trying to hurt them but you have to disagree with them such that you finally they finally understand you and you understand them and then together 
Find a common ground. People who don't offend each other lie to each other a lot. Girls are the worst enemy to each other. Girlfriends, you know, the, the worst enemy to a woman is their fellow woman. The most interesting thing about girls is when they call themselves sisters. Exactly, they are the most you know, it's such a stupid guy. Because when you think about it though, you know, you can't call your sister sister. Like you call them their name, right? Yes. Yeah, so he will find girls in a bar. Sister, sister, like, you're like, bro, come on, man. Why are you faking it? That same pack of chicks will be sleeping with another one of them. Yeah, yeah, it's usually no, no the you get they lie to each other but is that an issue of the man okay not, this is just an example mm. just to eat into it so if two girls are lying to each other and they're sleeping each, the hypocrisy is it the man why don't we blame the man who is playing the two two friends well, why do we blame the that, friends for the hypocrisy I, i'm not blaming the friends girls are supposed to be smarter than men when it comes to the game to the dating game I suppose Be yes Supposed? Supposed yes. seems to be Because so girls have so much to lose. When you are the one that has so much to lose in anything, whether it's business, you must become the smartest in that room. Mark, this is not controversial. You should that, that's be very best. When you're the one, yeah. That's when true. you are the one with so much to lose in the process, that's, that's you are true. supposed to be smarter than the other person. Girls need to understand that men for a boy to become a man, he has to integrate his adolescenthood fantasies. And a man may fail to integrate his adolescenthood fantasies until he's 60 years old. Those are the men you find in the bar at 3 a.m., 4 p.m., like 15 years old, and they are running up over high school chicks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, men, in our male nature, we are, we, look, <laughs> my friend, Men in our male nature, I told you in the beginning, we can sleep with anything. If you tell us no one is going to see, no one is going to know. You can go to that bathroom and find a chick. I do not have that spirit. Well, you may not have that spirit. You've had, maybe you're an integrated man, you have something to lose. Probably. Men who do not open their pants all, all the time, they have something to lose. Mark, when you've made some money, you've bought like, a home, you have a couple cars, you have some money in the bank, you've worked, you've hustled. The last thing you want is a divorce. You have something to lose. But if Jeff Bezos is getting divorced, my friend. Bezos has 200 billion or something. Exactly, but he still can't get the family shit right. Well, because, you see, I don't I don't. Expect... You know, that's how contradicting it is. Elon Musk himself. No, 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 no. Look he here. just got out of his marriage. Look here, we are talking about insane amounts of money, but also we are also talking about extremely a rare and different breed of men. Yeah. Let us agree. That's why I don't believe in equality. You are not Elon Musk, yeah. and I'm not Jeff Bezos. Yeah. We are talking about people who've been able to create billion-dollar industries. That is not a walk in the park. It's a one percent. No, these men, not even one percent. Those kind of men, they are the least emotionally up, up present men on some things, because they have sold their life, their brains. They are thinking about these big, great ideas. And by the way, like Elon Musk, these are guys. These guys have net positive good, you know, on humanity. Mm -hmm. It's Tesla thing and all these things. But you expect a guy like Elon Musk is running about to four or five billion dollar companies, huh? and he's on Twitter responding to everyone. You think such a guy really has the time for Sunday ice cream with all his fellow children? With the wife and all that. 
And the things that make marriage is not the money. But men who have something to lose keep their things in the pants. You've just been voted as a member of Congress and you're over there chasing college chicks. Before you know it, your sex step happens on the internet and you are kicked out of Congress. Congress. People who have something to lose, for us men, we only become that integrated. But congressmen cheat the most. Okay, I don't have any stats to that. They, maybe they do. Mm. But they're not out there throwing themselves around. Maybe they do it in private. The point I'm trying to make yeah, it's true, is that true, true. integrated men are men that have something to, to lose. lose. Yeah. You've worked for something. Mark, you know the effort you've put into building what you've built? Do you think you can, let's say you find you found a guy with your girlfriend in the, in the bar. Are you the type that is going to get in a fight and beat the guy up That's and end up in prison because you beat a guy that you found with your girlfriend? No. Do you know why? It doesn't, it doesn't mean you're not going to be hurt. You're going to be hurt. But does the cost, does the benefit outweigh the cost? Mm -mm. It's men who are integrated think in terms of cost and benefit. You get? What is the cost of, you, of that lifestyle? You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your wife. You're going to lose your children. You're going to lose your net worth. You're going to lose your standing in society. What happens when you get married? You lose most of your friends. Because you, for you to, for your marriage to work, you need to focus on your wife. And then you're going to have children. You know, they're going to come in the picture. And then you have a business. You get? So your life becomes particular. You're going to end up with some of your friends are going to be the people you work with. But most of the time, you're going to spend it with your wife and children. So maybe your wife's relatives are going to become your, your people. Now you are divorced after 20 years. In a marriage, you don't have a social life. Those are the men you find in the bar at 4 p.m. He's rich, he's parked, <laughs> he's parked at the door outside, but he's over there, his life is empty. Those are the men who commit suicide. Why do you think it's the majority of men who commit suicide? Divorce, yes, divorce affects women, but it affects men the most. Because you've, you've spent 20 years of your life. With this one, wait, you don't know what 20 years of your life with this one person does to you. Even just two years, man. Me, I've lived there. So, 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 so here's the thing, though. So when you have something that to lose, then you control yourself. Because the, more you, the longer you stay in marriage, the more you make money. The more you become rich. Your wife is at home. You don't buy food in hotels, right? You don't spend money. Care that is not me. true. <laughs> Let me tell you why it is true. That is not true. Okay, it depends on why you, how you're looking at mm. it. When you have a wife, you know, you know, he has a head that works. Mm. They know how much you make. And if you respect your wife, you know they will find out and will ask you questions of what you are using your money for. Now, we all know cheating is expensive. And cheating is expensive for successful guys. Cheating, there's two things about cheating, yeah? Two things I've noticed about people who cheat. Mm. People who also have the drive. In fact, my sister tries to explain it to me in a very very interesting way so <clears throat> i i don't know how she groups the types of men so again i may have been raised by a man i strongly believe is a faithful man mm. yeah by default and i i've seen my uncle this is a story we we're talking about yesterday I, I i can repeat the same exact words i told you yesterday and i'll repeat them seven years from now that i really strongly believe <coughs> my dad is faithful and no offense to his hustle yeah but i also believe uh such dedication yeah can make you or fade you 
and here's why because i have seen the most promiscuous men are also extremely successful yes. because they have the energy to actually go and work money mm-hmm. yeah they can manage around their habits look at just our society here look at the mulwanas okay no no rest in peace mulwana that was a wrong name to mention look at uh, who is this guy who had very many children the saint lawrence guy muchivi 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 no 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 mulindo no mulwana yeah and name dropping is really bad so but muchivi it's common knowledge right it's mm. public knowledge yet like but look at there's so many of those people i know so many of my friends who have made a lot of money and i still have friends who are faithful yeah and they still have a lot of money but when you weigh into the percentages when men have money they run to sex because then sex is going to motivate them make more money mm-hmm. yeah so when you tell me and convince me that marriage gets you rich okay you see we are discussing here we are i think we we're speaking across each other because we we are we are trying to narrow one a big a very big thing <coughs> into, into some one small frame of you know description yeah so on average on average only 30% of men become successful on average yes 70% of men live very average lives they do not make it they don't make millions very small number of men have most of the wealth and very small number of men sleep with most of the women that's why when you come at a level of, of a successful men when they having conversations among each other they find that they have slept with the same women sometimes most men are not even getting sex why because they're poor because women don't even look at them glance at them twice women in their prime have a proclivity to to date successful men women are going to can share successful men without any ounce of doubt now there's a level of success you reach at and you can make the demands you want in life now this is not a very christian response i'm giving you here mm-hmm. This is the reality. Mm. There's a lot of success men get at and they can make the kind of demands they do what yeah. they want. They will tell their wife, "You know what? I you know I love you. That's why I married you. You're my wife. You have my children. You have my name. You get? But I'm going to sleep around." There are men like that and there are women even know they have children out there. You know they are sleeping around. The women don't even consider that cheating. You know, do you consider that cheating? No. Some of these men make these demands clearly known to their women because you know what? For some reason, that's what they want. And you know what? They have the means to sustain that type of lifestyle. And those women will not even divorce them because these men are a whole lot of a man. They've pacified things. They have wealth. They have things that women would want. They know how to show love to their women. They will go there, do their dirty stuff, but at the birthday who present this woman with a Mercedes Benz man and those chick out there's a type of women who are just okay with that now let me tell you what is what what we call female delusion female delusion is when you think my man is going to be faithful to me because he loves me so much I'm the most beautiful thing in the world and he's not going to go out and date also male delusion is you thinking that your man is going to be faithful to you and he will not go out there and date because you are the most you know better man in the world that is delusion delusion but reality is that men and women are capable of sleeping around and cheating mm-hmm. it affects us differently but we are we all, all can do it yeah, yeah i agree now 
we only get the things we want if we keep our end of the deal. For some women, for a man to step out is a deal breaker. And, and these days they have a divorce as a way out. You get. You sleep around, chick is gone. You get. There's that type of women. But then there's that type of men, even if the chick wants to step out, they have made enough. They lose nothing. They even think, oh, I got married young, or oh, maybe I'm tired. You get. Mm -hmm. There's that. That's the reality of life. Some, every divorce is not people trying to kill each other. Some people actually sit down and have a conversation and be like, you know, I mm. think we, we need to go separate directions. What you want out in life at this level and me are completely different things. There are some people who do that. They don't have to first kill each other, strangle each other. But the majority, because, because life doesn't, we, we don't look at life from the subjective view. Those type of men we are talking about, successful men, the Michi, whatever, the sunless guy, you know, the Bezos, the Masics. Yeah. Those are a tiny number of men who have earned the right to make the decisions they've made. To make, to, I'm telling you, and you know what? They deserve it. They've, when, when you make $200 billion, bro, you are Elon Musk. You're not some George Schmoll, some guy <laughs> down in Kafunda somewhere. You get now, for a guy who is only making two million or three million Uganda shillings, mm. you don't even have a home you're still renting. You're driving a third-hand used car from Japan. You get by the, by mid-month your salary is all gone. You have family problems. You have people you're taking care of. It is a reckless decision for you to be sleeping around because it it takes also the little you have. It's a reckless decision. It's like what what are you doing to yourself? I agree. It's actually so for a man like that, who is living an average life, marriage is your best bet. Because marriage means that you are, you are sure you're going to get the sex. If everything is okay. Are you are sure you're going to get the sex at home? If everything is okay, you are sure you're going to have someone who is going to think with you, try to make things work together. It's a best bet, my friend. You're not going to, stop to spend your money impulsively because at least you have someone. Actually, I don't know, men who marry women who they do not have respect for. And by the way, I told you men are terrified by the women they love. My wife, I'm so terrified of that girl. Men who marry women that they love. They what does terrified mean in this context? Terrified means that... I don't know how to say it. I, I want to say that for me, my wife, I see my mother in my wife. Besides my mother, my wife is the only woman who can talk me about some, talk me into or talk me out of something. Yeah. You get what I mean? I hear you. So I, I can't, you, let me tell you, me, you, I'm so strong-willed. But my mother, it don't even my father can talk me out of some things. Me and my father, we argue a lot. But my mother can talk me or talk me into anything. But right now that I'm married, that shifted to my wife. My wife is the only person who convinces me out of things or into things. things. So I am so terrified of that woman. She holds me to the highest of standards. And I want to keep them. One of them is being honest. Do you know how terrifying it is to be honest? One of them is to be a good father to our children when they arrive. Do you know how scary that is? 
I don't even know what it even means. So, when you find a woman like that, you're not going to throw your man around. They're going to keep you in check. You get? You're going, you're going to know you have people who depend on you. So you're going to, if you're working at 50%, you're going to double and work at 100 Because you have people depending on you. So in the process of doing those things, you create wealth. That's why married... Why do you think single chicks like to sleep with married men? They have some sense of protection. They, they also have money. Yeah. They have some kind of wealth. They know. These single chicks be like, oh, this guy, is that the wife? He takes care of his wife. So he has the ability to provide and take care. So it means he has some money. That's the logic there. So I told you that the idea that your man is going to be loyal to you until you die or your woman is delusion. Mm. That's not, you don't go into marriage like thinking like that. You negotiate that. Your wife promises you that. And you must also promise her things in return for that. And you must live to, the, to her expectations with those things. That's marriage, my friend. It's not just my phone, someone's daughter, and I put a ring on them, and therefore they are mine, they are my property. No, my friend, it doesn't work like that. Marriage is a negotiated, is a, is a contract, negotiated. Me, I tell people, falling in love and developing feelings should be for married people. Because the more you, offend, you, the more you are, are fight with your wife, offend them, as you negotiate to live together, huh, is the more you develop your feelings for them. Genuine feelings. This does applies even to girlfriends, right? The more you're fighting with hands. Exactly. Yeah, the concept. Because yeah. at, at some point you get to go, you know, I, I think I like this chick. She understands me. We fight, we reconcile, we are good. And that's how you be like, you know, I'm going to marry this girl. At least I can live with this one. You get? So, but you don't just climb these things. You don't have the right to make that claim. Okay, you may choose to make that claim because you think you are too, too, man and too, you're too much of a man, mm. but that is delusion. You must live to a certain <laughs> level. You must show some things. Women, when you marry a woman, they force you to raise to certain standards. Like I told you, marrying a woman is choosing to let go of all other women. It means you are choosing to grow up that's the most terrifying thing for men. What do you think? Are we, men are not so excited about weddings. I said, me, I, I, okay, may, maybe some are. But women are so excited about weddings. Because for them, that's the deal. They are, they, are, they are signing the deal. But for us men, man, as you're marrying this chick, you're thinking, man, now all these chicks are gone, man. You know? You're thinking about all the consequences of that decision. Now I have someone who's going to depend on me. Now I must work twice as much. If you are struggling to feed it for yourself, now you have two mouths to feed. And two years in, you have three, four, five. Six. So it is choosing responsibility. It is choosing to grow up. Men who have chosen to grow up are the only men who have the ability to say no to their impulses. Not every guy has the ability to do that. I hear you, my brother. So, this, all of these things I say, you, you know, they may sound controversial. But there are some controversial to people who just want to willingly. You see, there's a lot of willingful ignorance that flies around today. 
Because we just want to create a world of victims. Everyone is a victim. Women are victims from men. Blacks are victims from white people. Short people are victims from tall people. It's, it's a, it's, everyone is a victim. And then a trauma economy. Then you create things. We sell people this. We sell people that. We sell people this. Everyone is selling a dream. That world is so pathetic. You don't want to live in that world. Let me tell you. As a black man living in America. I can choose to focus on the racism and whatever they call systematic injustices. Mm -hmm. Or I can choose to use the available opportunities to make my life better. You chose the latter. Exactly. My brother, I love to Uganda. Look here. Look what happens in this country where people black people treat each black people. Look at how blacks treat each other. Vani violence in America is common in black communities. The level of black on black crime yeah. is twice as high as white on black crime. Yeah, oppressed people together can. It's only that like when you, when a black a white person does something, it goes viral because it's a, it, it's 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 a thing that inspires. But the shootings the, are from white people, right? The shootings we keep hearing. Yes, you can say shooting is a white people School game. shootings, yeah. But here's the thing, though. Do do you hear, do you hear about any shootings in black communities on TV? Mm -mm. Go and read the primary report. Google, you have internet, you are, you are an educated young man. You Google the crime rate in America, black on black crime and white on black crime. The numbers are there. You read on gun violence, how many people die and how many are black and who is doing what? The isolated instances of you saw white kids shooting up with mental health issues, shooting up schools. I'm not trying to say that is okay. These kids are sick. Mm. They should, they should be, you this. You know, they, they should be put into... You don't read that? Yeah. I read so let's grow which take a look at what are you reading from it's called let's grow why, why are you doing that go to department of homeland security yeah, yeah it's taking me to the department the crime the current u.s crime rate yes in truth there's bad news the u.s murder rate has been going up these past two crazy years so how can there be any good news with this the murder rate today is actually low. Da, 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 da. so the statistics are here the u.s murder rate 1960 to 2020 mm. Murder for 10,000 people, so... No. Uh, you told me to go where? There's, there's an department of Homeland Security uh, websites. Uh, you know, but here's the thing. Just Google yeah. black on black crime in America. The red. You're going to see what I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. Look at the rappers, man. You don't even need me to convince you otherwise. Look at the popular ones. These are black kids are shooting each other. Like, like, like it's fun. It's like a games. But you don't hear about it on TV. Do you know why? Because it doesn't fit the narrative. Mm. The narrative is that white people are racist and they are killing black people. So black people should live a terrified way of life, terrified of white people. Now I'm not trying to say white people are not doing, you know, you know, things that are really terrible. Yeah. You get. But I'm telling you, my friend. If you look for only those things, you'll find it there. Yeah. You see, America, what you look for, you find. It's like a Google. In a Google, whatever you search, you find. It's you can good. find the conservative views, you find liberal views. You find anything on Google. Mm. So that is America. The point is, you, I, when I look at elsewhere in the world, you get, a black man in America is the most privileged and safest man anywhere in the world. In, a black, in America, it's the only place a black man in the world is the most privileged and the safest 
Now that is even a terrible if if you go by the popular narrative that black people are under fire from white people. Have you looked at black on black crime? Have you seen what we're doing to each other here? Have you seen what is happening? Mm-hmm. Look at Chicago. Look at all the big cities. Most black people live in big cities, inner cities. That's where most of the crime is. Most white people live in the suburbs. The poor whites are the ones who live in cities. You get? Mm. So, we can choose to create a world of victims. Or we can choose to create a world of people that know the ugly truth of what life is and then they orient themselves in a way that would make this place a better place. Kids can spend their time planting trees or they can spend their time holding placards on the street that says they are against climatic change. You find these people say they are against poverty. You are holding a sign that says I'm against poverty. I don't know any rich person who stands for poverty. No. So, we can choose to tell, to tell people to do things that actually make sense and would change this world. Or we can try to tell people to signal virtue which is what is being done today. This feminism crap you hear about, this, all this, whatever, all these mainstream topics, it's just virtue signaling. Those people don't even have the interests of women at the core of their ideas. Today, who are the most protected women? The ones fighting for women, rights. It is the trans women. Who are the trans women? The women who are strong like men. It's just men with dicks that want to be women. Now they have more rights and privileges than the real women. You get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some guy with his mental health issues who goes to the lab, he does whatever, surgeries, whatever, cuts off his penis or he still has it, has more rights today and is more protected than a woman. What is happening in prisons today in Europe? Trans women raping women. This is what is happening. So these people with these ideas don't even have the interests of women in the, in the back of their minds. They just have an agenda. This agenda requires people to be so degenerated, to be so dumb that they can't even think. I hear you. It is only in the U. Let me tell you. If there was a shooting in America and the white kid did it, mm-hmm. it's going to be all over BBC, CNN, Al Jazeera. That's what's if, been happening. If a black kid shot up a school, you won't see it anyway on the media. You won't. Mm. You won't. Is that so though? It is. Apart from Fox News, Fox News will talk about it because it's a conservative leaning. Yeah. But you won't see it on any other media platforms. When Trump did whatever Trump did, look at how the media treated Trump. Clearly. Look at the things Biden has done and look at how they treat him. If Trump, old, yeah, if Trump presided over what happened in Afghanistan, they would have impeached him. We lost 13 soldiers in Afghanistan. He would have been impeached for the 10th time. If Trump, look at what is happening. Look at the, look at the banks that are collapsing. If Trump was president, and five American banks collapsed and people's money is wiped away. The media would explode about it. But since it's Biden, he's a media darling. Yeah. You don't hear anything. Look at the scandal with the vaccines. I agree. 
terrible. Look at the scandal with vaccines. Look at how they forced people to put vaccines in their bodies. Look at how it has backfired. Do you see it anywhere in the media? You only get to listen to it on Joe Rogan's podcast. So, so you, you need to understand. People need to understand that there's a small clique of people who think they know it all and they want to reconstruct a world which is their fantasy. It's like a video game. They want to just construct their own fantasy. Mm-hmm. But that's not reality. That's not reality. Reality is different. Reality is suffering, man. Reality is man trying to better himself. That's the story. That's our story. I agree with you entirely on that. And yeah. So, so some of these things I say, I, I do not say them because I don't have respect for women. Hi, sisters. Girls I pay tuition for. I put girls through school. Because I believe education is one of the best things you can give anyone. For me, if, if, if my parents didn't give me education, and you see, I, I, I went to these Ugandan schools, but I was always a different kid. For me, my teachers on social media, people I went with to school would tell you that I was always very argumentative. And I always pushed back on things. I have never been the one that just believes things that people are telling me. No, I question everything. Question existence and question it all. Exactly. Those are common words of popular so, rapper Jay-Z. So for me, I decided to not just these ideas, these mainstream ideas that people believe and shout at the top of the mountain top. I'm like, well, are those your ideas? Do you really believe that? What do you mean diversity, equity, and inclusion? Do you know what equity means? Equity means opportunity of vow to come. Me, I never want to see myself having the same money with a guy who drives me on a motorcycle. And I will be doing my work. People argue so many things and then the gender pay gap and then this and then. Look, it's not that there is no pain in our history. Men have suffered, women have suffered. Men have inflicted pain on women, women have inflicted pain on men. Amen. You see with the patriarchy and what? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, women are the gatekeepers of sex. How do you mean? Women have been so the ones that women are the ones that dictate who gets sex and who doesn't. Women are the ones who dictate who passes on their DNA and who doesn't. So if you think that the patriarchy is a group of men, they are planning on how to oppress women, then you are foolish. Women and men have been working together to construct society. Mm-hmm. Actually, women have always been making women have always been forcing us to grow up. Because we love sex, respect, and, and, and food. When women raise their standards, we have to do everything possible to meet those standards. standards. Women have been guiding evolution and civilization for a long time. Why are you wanting to present them as victims? Also, if you believe in equality, if you believe men and women are equal, why do women need extra protection? How? How do you mean? Well, why do you need protection from your equals? Why do we why do we need a women's basketball team? Why don't we just have women and men playing in the same field? I think that's where we're going. I, I see now the referees in football. Well, yeah, we have them, but why don't we have uh, LeBron James go play in the women's basketball team? It's the future. We, we, we should have Steph Curry play with eight girls, and then we see him score 10,000 points in one game. You know, he's, he's like, he, 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 I don't argue there's equality for human life and dignity. Mm. 
But the things that we want out of life, men and women, are completely different. How we accomplish them is completely different. Now, I'm not trying to say there are, not, there are no women who are better than men. Joel, and I want to stop you there and ask you one last question. Yes. It's far away from this. What sort of legacy are you trying to leave behind? You know, I'm trying to conduct myself in this world, on the journey of my life, in a way that would alleviate some of the pain in this world. And I know there's no single way to do it, but I'm trying to conduct myself in that way. Mm. Within my means, I try to be generous with what I have. With my knowledge, I try to share it with the people, the things I learn. I, I put my ideas out there for people to, you know, to share with people and to disagree with me and all that. I'm also trying, it is not easy, but I would love to go down as a good father, good husband to my wife, and, and a good father to my children. I'm trying to rewrite my family's legacy. You get? Mm. My father, and, and I don't share my private life so much, and I don't go into it, lived trust, you know, to a certain level, you know, you know, he became who he is and yeah. he pushed me where I am. I want to transcend that. Mm. You get? And I want to create a platform where many other young people will see me and be able to transcend me. So what legacy am I creating? I just want to live this world better than I, I found it. Yeah. But also, the only way to do that is to have honest conversations with people, you know, and, and speak, and, and have people speak out ideas. You see, Mark, let me tell you, mm. even when I disagree with a, your ideas, as I do, yeah. I would rather have you speak them, so that I know how you think, than silence you and have you drown in resentment to a level that you just have me short. Mm. I would rather have you hear what you have to say. I may never relate to it. And there's this thing in the Bible that says, to, to whom much is given, much is required, Mark. Yeah, much is expected. For me, I've been given so much. And not in terms of money, in terms of opportunities. I've been given opportunities, my friend. Opportunities that people way older than me die hoping they could have you get mm. even you having me on this your podcast it means that maybe you think i could say something you that would you know maybe rightfully so brother i you know? totally honor this so one. i've been given i've been given opportunities man i've been given the ability to know things and god has given me a brain that is very curious in a way, and I want to use my voice to share the things as much as I would learn them with the rest of the world. Mm. In a world where we are moving to groupthink, I would love to be a voice of reason among my peers. Yeah. You get? Mm. I would love, I would love to to die and be remembered for my ideas, for things I stood for. Because I'll die. But here's the last thing I'm going to say and I'll be done. 
In hundred years when I'm dead and gone and even my skeletons are no longer in the ground. Mm. When my memory of when the memory of my existence is far taken away from even those who will be alive. At least I would want my ideas to be what men look at. To be, to be the measure of people's way of life or quality of decisions. You know what I mean? I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but I would rather have my ideas, maybe through my children, maybe through the journey of my life, when I'm far gone and removed in the memory of existence, man. I would love, look at man, the guys I look at and I say, man, guys like, you know, these Russian philosophers, man. Even up right now, the measure of our thought is predicated on ideas they came up with. Look, I may never be those guys. Maybe not in that way. Yeah. But I want to be that person. When I'm far too gone and no one even knows the joy beings existed. That is my ideas you should live on. That's what inspires me. That is what drives me. Not money. I love money. But for known reasons. That's why I am who I am. That's why I'm disagreeable. Sometimes I just want to be hard. Sometimes I feel like there are conversations we need to have that we are not having. So, I know I could have said a lot of controversial things None. on this podcast. There's been some truth. A but lot uh, that's my piece. That's like, that's me one-on-one. And I'm willing to always update my knowledge when new information arises that I do not know about. Mm. So, I appreciate that, bro. Thank you again for the podcast. It's been my longest ever since I started podcasting. Wow. So I have taken Se- a keen seven hours of podcast, you man. Interesting listening to you. This is